Hey everyone, today is Thursday, the 11th of July, 2019. This is The Gap, episode 475. I'm Luke Laurie. Job Gore's here. How's your week going, Job? It's fine, I guess. It's fine. It's all right. It's all right. You sound a bit salty over there. Uh, just uh, a little hungover, I guess. I um, <laughs> Right. I had a big night last night. Fair enough. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah. I thought you were maybe just a bit upset after after the basketball. Still, how would I be upset about the basketball? What would what would I be upset about with the basketball? I don't know. I think we've got a great team, to be honest. I think we've got a fucking awesome team. It's sick. <laughs> we've done really well. We wouldn't have anywhere near. I think we would be way worse if we had uh, Leonard on our team. Like it'd be cooked. That said, if we, if we were to ditch everyone and just get Russell Westbrook instead. <laughs> I'd be about it. The main That'd team. That'd be fucking hilarious. It'd be <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. And just play two people. Just have, like, or just the three of them. Yeah. On the court. That's it. Don't need anyone else. You don't, right? AD's got the blocks. LeBron's got the other blocks. <laughs> Russell Westbrook gets every fucking rebound. Uh, yeah. Easy peasy. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> idea. Yeah. And nobody else in the team scores. It's called the triangle offense. I believe that's that's what they were thinking of when they yep. established that term. So yeah, um, yeah, nah, should be an interesting season next. Who's going to win? Uh, Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, that's it, right? Like uh, for the first time in a while, it hasn't sort of just felt kind of pointless mm. to watch the basketball. Like the Nets will be pretty good, uh, like. Shockingly, the Knicks will be hilariously awful, as always. Uh, but yeah, the West is going to be fucking bananas. Hmm. It's going to be crazy. Where's Draymond Green going? Is he staying at the Warriors? Yeah, yeah he's staying. Is he? Is okay. it, isn't he staying with Warriors? I. You're thinking of Iguodala. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe. He would have yeah. been awesome on the Lakers. That would have been fucking sick. Uh, would have known all the Warriors tricks. Would been good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought, I, yeah, for some reason I thought I read Draymond was looking into moving on or something. I don't know. Maybe it's just. No, he's know. staying now that KD's out. He's yeah, fine. Right. He's happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, interesting week, though. I don't think anybody saw the Clippers quite. Well, may, I mean, possibly Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. But nobody saw the Paul George thing at all. No, yeah. True. I mean, the Thunder are kind of fucked, eh? Like, they're just, what the fuck are they supposed to do? Right? Like, they're just cooked now. Yeah. Westbrook can't, like... Well, he wants out. He's trying yeah. to get traded. So. Yeah, exactly. And so we fucking should, right? Like, hmm. yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, should be a good season. Uh, no more super teams. Or by super teams, you mean like <laughs> like three five, or all stars. five all stars? It's, it's weird that, that we've like we've re uh, we've melded ourselves to rethink what a super team is because there are a fucking bunch of teams with three superstars. So and that used to be enough, right? Like the the big three, yeah. Uh, situation used to be enough for a super team call, but uh, no. Apparently, it's not, not there anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Sure. 
Cool, 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 cool. Uh, want to talk about video games? Yeah, let's talk about video games. Alright, what do we want to kick off with? Um, I've been playing some older games. Hellblade yeah. Senua's Sacrifice. Yep. I remember this. I wasn't a fan. Yeah, it's got a lot of really good reviews when it first came out. Yep. Um, I think at the moment I'm about two hours in, and it's pretty average. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of walking. Yep. Like a lot of walking mm. at the start of the game. Um, there is some like very average puzzle elements but maybe below average puzzles i'd call them at the moment the ones that i've seen and then um a pretty basic combat system um although in saying that the actual animations in the combat are quite quite good yeah um yeah man you're, you're playing this character who is on this journey um through a mythical land i guess it's taking a lot of like greek mythology um, references to people like Odin and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and like my biggest issues with it is the game just doesn't tell you how to do anything. There's no tutorial per se. Like, there's no text on the screen or any indication that you should be sort of sort of doing certain things within the world, um, unless you actually go out the like into a menu and be like oh what are the buttons in the game all right this is what the buttons are um at the start of the game you're walking for quite a while mm. and i'm like is this fucking for real like what's going on and there's actually there's run button but it doesn't tell you that like this is the run button it's just you just walk and that's it you get to um this like stone and you have to look at it and that gives you like a it's basically like a voice recording, you know, in a Bioshock game or like a, you know, any of those games where you, you pick up a fucking tape and it plays back a message for you. That's basically what they are. Um, they spread them out throughout the world and whatnot, but it doesn't tell you how to interact with it. So you've just got to press buttons and figure it out yourself. Um, and like you get to the very first puzzle and it is a door that is closed and it has a symbol on it. And it's glowing red. And then you've got to figure out what you're supposed to do with this door. And it doesn't tell you what you're supposed to do. You just need to look around. And so you start hitting that focus or the the, the button to, to look around again. And there's this silhouette of this, like, uh, icon or this, um, this sort of symbol that you're trying to look for. You're trying to, like, line up with something. It doesn't really explain yeah. it well. And so I'm like, I'm stepping backwards. I'm like trying to line it up with the symbol on the door. That's not working. I like start walking backwards and I'm looking around the room for like, like anything that's not working. I basically go back around the corner of this entire like hallway. It's inside this like cave thing. And, uh, I can't find anything to interact with. And so I'm just like, I'm just holding the look button at this stage because every time i do it the symbol comes up and there's fucking glowy bits all around the screen and eventually i'm just waving my controller like my my look but look around and it just locks onto something on a wall and it's like a shadow that's in the form of the the symbol like the shape of it and then it zooms in and, and then it automatically unlocks the door i'm like okay yeah <laughs> fair enough cool so 
So then I, um, oh, okay, that's what you do with the puzzle. And it does that, like, a couple of more times. Like, that yeah. is basically, like, here's an introduction to the thing. So you're now looking for visual clues within the world to try and progress you further through these lock gates. And it does that, like, six or seven different times. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's, like, I've been playing for about two hours, and that's pretty much, like, the game breaks down to you do a couple puzzles, and then you fight a couple of creatures. Um, and the combat's really basic. There's like a fast attack, heavy attack, a dodge, and a block, and a kick. Um, when something swings at you, there is a, um, like a light that sort of triggers on their weapon that shows you should block now. And if you block now, you get a really good counter, and that allow you to hit back at them super quickly. Otherwise, you just hold the block button down, and they can't do anything. Um, there's enemies later on that will do heavier attacks and get past that sort of stuff, but otherwise it's not that hard. Um, it's pretty basic combat from what I've seen so far. Um, sometimes they start throwing in more enemies at you and that can get a bit sort of like, (laughs) I don't know if overwhelming is the word, but the reason why I'm feeling that way is because the camera is so close up behind this character that you can't see around you really. Yeah. Um, so you don't know. The first time it happened, I didn't know there was someone behind me. It just I just got hit all of a sudden. I'm like, oh, okay. And then they so they eventually start giving you audio cues that like you're about to be attacked because this character is hearing she's hearing voices all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll say like there's someone behind you type thing, and that's when you sort of hit your block button. But otherwise. You just don't have any idea that there's anyone around you. It's really slow to sort of look around because um, she's very like lumbering and takes a while to turn. Um, so yeah, the, the combat's pretty <clears throat> just pretty basic. There was a boss fight, and it was this bo- boss fight where it was sort of in stages. Eventually, you get to a stage where the um, character turns into like a flame, and you try and hit it, and um, because they're on fire, she sort of just, like, the sword just deflects off of this guy, and you don't do any damage. But then I don't know what I'm supposed to do, because there's no, like, the game hasn't told me, this is how you fight things. Like, there's no, like, you use your dodge to do this, or you use your block to do this, or you, with these types of enemies you're supposed to kick. It just doesn't tell you anything. So I'm hitting this guy, and... It seems like I'm not doing damage, but I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And eventually I die. Um, and then I replay the, the same fight again. And I get back to that one spot pretty quickly. And I'm like, I just, I literally don't, like, am I supposed to just walk around and wait for the fire to extinguish? So I'm just walking around for like a minute. That's not doing anything. Um, and apparently I'm supposed to press right trigger to trigger a special move and then that dispels the fire from her uh, from the right, creature yeah. like but it doesn't tell like i'm not i don't know i'm supposed to do that <laughs> um yeah that's and then that, it turns that's what out i remember from it right like is yeah. that basically the challenge is all in the obscurity of the fucking like game mechanics like it sure. basically doesn't tell you how to do anything anything like and i don't need a game to fucking explicitly say find this shadow or something like this but clever game design is is game design that will like sort of lead you lead you to water and you know and then it's up to you to drink it right 
hmm. uh, I don't I don't need a fucking path necessarily, but it'd be like it'd be nice if there were like a clearing through the bushes. So that I was like, yeah, okay, I'll go through that cl- like that clearing and make my own way to the fucking water, right? Like, the yeah. Hellblade didn't do anything like that, in my opinion. It was just, I constantly found myself, I stopped playing because I, I felt like, yeah. Hmm. The next puzzle is like, the puzzles aren't actually that difficult. The real challenge is working out what the fuck the game is trying to tell you. And I didn't yeah. find that. Yeah, I didn't find it satisfying. I, I just found it really tedious. And right. that, that combined with, yeah, the, fucking pace of everything in that game made it infuriating for me yeah yeah um i'll touch on the pace in a second but just to add to the combat stuff um so then after i figure out oh there's a button here that i can use it turns out that's like a a special meter where you eventually build up attacks and you press it and it's sort of like a slow down time thing we we can do attacks on enemies really quickly so then i'm like oh okay cool i know how to do that now um, but yeah, it like just doesn't explain any of these mechanics to you. There wasn't a fight up until that point that needed me to do that move or that gave me any indication that I needed to do this thing. Um, so yeah, that was kind of just really dumb. Uh, in terms of the pacing, one issue I've got with it is the, um, the audio fucking tombstones or whatever you want to call them. Um, like you interact with them and it starts, this person starts talking to you or you, you're getting like information about the, the world and what's going on. Mm. But I feel like we've come, we've come so far in game design where other games have done that so much better. And it's a problem that we see creep up all the time where you're listening to something and before it used to be the problem where you, you're listening to something and then other audio would cut into it, like another recording or something. Yep. Whereas this one does the thing where you can't walk away from where you're standing. Right. Because if you walk too far away, then it like slowly the volume starts to go down to eventually where you can't hear it anymore. Yep. So you've got to stay in this area and just stand there. Yeah. And listen to someone speak for however long. And then you're like, oh, okay, now I'm going. Like it feels like they're padding the fucking game length out so that they can, you know, make it an extra hour long or whatever it is. Um so yeah, that was super infuriating because I, I was just kind of triggering these these uh, audio logs and then being like, okay, cool, I'm going to walk away and do the next thing I need to do, and then it would just stop. And I'm like, all right, so you actually want me to just stand here for a minute and listen? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was quite annoying. Um, yeah, and it's just it just seems really bland at the moment. It's like I'm up to the second area, like halfway through the second area, where it throws into um like more puzzle elements like you've got to try and figure out how to progress through these doors again but it's a different type of puzzle um it's just not like engaging at all it's just really basic stuff um i mean some of the the ways they do the puzzles are interesting like the way they present them um this one in particular is this sort of like gateway where it changes the world around you so you look through it and the environment will be like like a, a closed door, for instance, in the world. But when you look through this sort of gate or this portal, the door sort of opens and then you have to step through it and that changes the world around you. Um, whereas if you just keep circling this thing, doors always close. But 
stuff like that is interesting, but it's like it's not challenging. It's literally a, like I'm in order to do these puzzles. I'm literally just that one in particular is just me walking down a path the entire time. There's no like yep. thinking about or anything. It's just like this is where I need to go. This is what I need to do, and it's really easy. Um, the the other puzzles where it's got you lining up things in the world um, to sort of form these shapes can be really infuriating because all you're really doing is just looking for shapes. Or you don't even have to do that in that particular puzzle. You just walk around until glowy bits show up and eventually you get to the sweet spot and yeah. your controller will vibrate. So you know you stand in the right spot. You just need to st- turn around and look for something that resembles that shape. It doesn't take that long. Um, so yeah, it's not... I'm thinking it's pretty bland at the moment. Super average game. Um, as I said, I played about two hours. It hasn't done anything that sort of stands out to me as something that's deserving of, I think it's like an 881 on Metacritic when I checked. Um, I know a lot of people were raving about the story and that sort of stuff, but yeah, I'm just not, it's not getting me at the moment. So we'll see how I go. I might play it for a little bit more, but if it doesn't get any more engaging, then I'm not interested in playing much more of it. So yeah. Yep. Um, but in saying that, like the, it's got that, um, fuck, who makes it? Um, I'm thinking I've played a lot of their stuff before. Um, uh, Ninja Theory. Yeah. Um, like they do really good combat in their other games. Yeah. Um, like the Journey to the West game had really good, good combat. And you can see that the animation sets are there, but it's very basic in terms of the combat they're trying to do. For the moment, at least. So, yeah. Um, anyway, Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice. It was part of the Humble Bundle for this month, which is why I am playing it. <laughs> the other right. game I'm playing, which is part of the Humble Bundle, is Moonlighter. Uh, you've talked about this before, right? I think so, yeah. I think Pretty sure. Ages ago. Yeah. Um, it came out a couple of years back, and it's basically a roguelite game where you play a shopkeeper who goes into dungeons and uh, collects items and then leaves the dungeons and come back and sells them. Yep. Um, the sort of elements here in terms of when you die, you lose stuff that is in your backpack that isn't that's not in like certain slots. There's like five or six slots in your backpack that you can carry on you, which are permanently with you the entire time. But anything else is in that backpack. If you die, you lose that completely. Um, so it's this like risk reward thing of how far into the dungeon can you get to get really good gear before mm-hmm. losing it all? Like when should you give up and just go back? Um, and then you sort of start leveling up your character and buying new gear, swords, armor. Um, there's a town that you roam around in that allows you to buy um, different items and upgrade different stores that you know, again, allows you to do, like, more upgrades to your character. And um, I am enjoying parts of it. The bits that I don't like is the storekeeper stuff, um, which is sort of like this weird mini game where you go back to your store and you put the items that you've gathered onto a shelf and you set prices for them and then other adventurers come in and start buying these items for you from you. And uh, they give you an indication whether or not they're happy with the prices. 
Um, they could be too expensive. Maybe they're too cheap. They think they've gotten a bargain. Um, maybe it's stuff that they don't need. And then this sort of information gets catalogued to you in your little diary and you start getting an idea of where you should be setting the prices for items, how popular they are, like what people are really into and that sort of stuff. And that component seems to take up quite a lot of time in the game. Um, whereas I'd prefer to be out doing the adventuring stuff as yeah. opposed to the the micromanaging selling things. Like that just doesn't appeal to me. Um, yeah, and then just being like, all right, what am I going to spend all these coins on? I need to, uh, you know, upgrade my sword and I need these different types of materials to do that, but I've just sold all that stuff because I didn't realize that I needed to keep on, like, hang on to it, so now I've got to go get more of it. And, like, yeah, it's just this weird thing of, like, you're selling things, but you don't really know at the start of the game that, oh, maybe you should be hanging on to these specific items because it doesn't really tell you again. Um you know, what all this stuff is used for. You just kind of get it and you just start selling things because you like money. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of into minds about the game. I like the sort of the dungeon elements, but the, the selling stuff, the shopkeeper stuff is an interesting idea. Yeah, It just completely slows down the pace of that game to mm-hmm. a point where I'm just like, this part is really boring. I would rather just be in that dungeon killing monsters <laughs> and mm-hmm. not having to wait five minutes between you know five minutes five to ten minutes fucking around like figuring out how much is i should sell this stuff for um yeah it's just not really that appealing to me that that side of it but um do you remember much about that game at all not really i do remember the shopkeeping portion was what drew me to it in the first place like the idea yeah it's the unique selling point and it was what made me stop playing it so mm. <laughs> Uh, that's the same for me like when I was reading about it I was like oh that sounds interesting and then you yeah. play it and you're like oh that's not as fun as what it sounds like uh, you're no, literally no, a shopkeeper I love this yeah <laughs> um, yeah that was essentially the experience that I had yeah <sighs> I know there have been other games in the past and I don't know the names of them where you are playing like literally a shopkeeper for an Wrecketeer is it I think is that what it is I think is yeah the, yeah, the most prominent one Right. Uh, I thought this would be like that, but a bit more active, you know, a bit more involved. Uh, it's definitely worse on that front. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know, like, I don't necessarily know how you would make it engaging, necessarily. You know, like, how you'd, uh, you'd, I would... I would imagine you'd almost want to do it like a clicker game you know like do it like uh you go out adventuring to find some items mm. and the store portion is like a like a idle game thing where you come back and you get a you know you get a bunch of money and you're able to put what you've gotten into certain elements and it builds up a bar and that'll level sure. it up or something like that you know instead of clicking you're getting like resources from the dungeons mm. to upgrade stuff i think that would be uh better because at least that the focus would remain on the adventuring portion sure and not on because it's just like it's just such a dull 
system having you staying in a fucking store. It's, it, yeah, it's just not a good idea. And if it was literally just you, yeah. Like dragging like, items maybe, into a thing and then just putting prices on them and coming back and being like, oh, all this stuff sold. Yeah, As opposed exactly. to you standing around and watching people walk around a store and yeah. being like, oh, that's too expensive. And then you just, them not buying anything. Yeah. That's yeah. not. Like, just have things be a price and have people coming in. And, like, you could even do the clicker idle game thing of, like, your store getting bigger and bigger until it's, like, this fucking Walmart-type situation. Like, this giant fucking warehouse of fucking, mm. like, swords and shit or whatever the fuck you're selling. And, like... Just rags. You've got, like, different rags. departments. And you, yeah, <laughs> going to the rags department. you got, like, different dungeons you got to go to this... Like, to focus on each department, the sword dungeon, the shield dungeon, the armor dungeon, the rag dungeon. Like, each one is built up when you complete the dungeon. And, yeah, like, you get to take yourself down a specific path, you know, as opposed to, yeah. Yeah, it was so much more boring than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um... Yeah, cool. So you're loving everything you got out of the bundle then. <laughs> um I mean, yeah, sometimes there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. And then sometimes there is just like uh this is why this is in here. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway. Um all right, should we talk about we were here? Uh we yep. talking about indie stuff? Yep. So this is a free game. It's available on Steam. Uh, sort of like a, it's a puzzle game. Um, it's co-op only. You have to play it with another person. Uh, it's uh, it's like you solve all the puzzles by talking to like the other person will have all the solutions mm-hmm. for the puzzle. So I played it with Nate. We we went through it uh i don't know how long what what does steam reckon it took me 73 minutes we knocked it out in 73 minutes uh and yeah died a couple of times uh mostly from like just communication failure which i think is you know the key element of the game but essentially yeah, I don't know what it was like from his perspective because he had, you know, a different view. Uh, but I start in a fucking room and I could, I'm, I could see a bunch of stuff on the walls. Uh, and me and Nate had to like work out based on what he could see and what I could see. Uh, we had to work out what, uh, would get me out of the room basically. Um, and so he had to look through, uh, all of all of his he's got like he was a librarian and I was I think the archivist or something I'm not sure but uh so he was in a library he had a bunch of books and he'd look in the books and find these codes and I found these runes on the wall and we had to work out which runes I was to press uh to open the door and uh it took us a while to work that out because you know it doesn't it doesn't fucking tell you anything it just sort of dumps you in a room and you can see there's a door that you need to get through um but otherwise yeah you don't know shit so yeah we worked it out um 
it was good. Like, it was really interesting. Uh, it was interesting trying to work out what information Nate needed to be able to solve the puzzle. And then he would have to, like, return the favor. Like, he'd have to work out what information I needed hmm. uh, for me to, to be able to actually solve the puzzle. My biggest issue with it is that the roles are pretty rigid in that uh yeah i was the i was doing all the exploring and nate was stuck in a library with a bunch of books and it would have been cool if we got i got out of the first room and in the next room there was a bunch of books that would allow me to fucking help him get out of the, the room but that's not really how it worked right like he would he was able to go to and go to new rooms and stuff but that was literally all of that hinged on me solving shit and him communicating to me how to solve shit you know like that was he was pretty removed hmm. from from the process For he sure. wasn't like yeah uh he wasn't doing any of the fucking solving himself right he was just communicating solutions right right he's uh, on the other end telling you how to defuse the bomb yeah yeah exactly uh and i obviously i enjoyed being the bomb diffuser uh uh, that was fun for me right but it was it seemed a little dull for nate at at times like he was sort of yeah waiting for me to do stuff uh there's one one bit uh with a chessboard um where he literally just had to wait until i started something so that he could actually do anything at all and he was extremely confused as to what the fuck he was supposed to be doing at that point um it was also particularly terrifying because uh that portion you're slowly dying Hmm. until so if you don't figure it out you just die um poison gas no snow you die of cold uh yeah but anyway um yeah, it was pretty good. Like, I would. There's. It's. It's the first game in a series. It seems there's a. There's a couple more games. Uh, they cost money, for a free game, for a free experience. It's definitely worth it. Um, yeah, like super, uh, interesting. I. I would hope that for the sequels, they have learned from their mistake. Mm. Uh, of making someone be a fucking librarian the entire game and hopefully it switches back and forth uh yeah so that yeah because otherwise i don't know how much longer you would want to play a game if it was like fucking a four-hour experience and you were the librarian for four hours i think you would get pretty fucking bored pretty fucking quick um yeah uh it's definitely worth playing i would like to play it again as the librarian to see what that experience is like uh it's tricky i wouldn't i was going to suggest playing it with you because it is free but at the same time i wouldn't want to impact your you know everything right exactly yeah so i'd probably be better off playing it with nate because he would just like we technically know all the the solutions together uh, but at the same time, uh, like the experience would be different. So I wouldn't be impacting his gameplay experience by knowing everything because he would also technically know everything anyway. But yeah, I feel like if I were to play with you, then the 
fucking loudest plane in the world would come over. Uh, no, um, yeah, if I were to play with you, yeah. All I'd be doing is sitting there, like, trying to work out how I could explain shit to you without literally spoiling all the fucking puzzles. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth playing. That said, like, if, if, uh, it, like I said, it's free. Uh, it's only a couple of hundred meg, uh, in size. It's, uh, got a pointless fucking, uh, storyline type thing going on in it that I didn't give a fuck about at all. Uh, mm. and yeah, it's worth trying out. Definitely. Nice. Um, yeah. Just need, uh, the second person is the only, you know, tricky part. Yeah. But yeah. Check it out. What's the, what are the sequels called? Uh, we were here to. to I think so. <laughs> but like T double O. Right. Um, let me see. Here it is. The third it's one is o. called We Were Still Here. Uh, no, it's called We Were Here Together. Right. Uh, fourteen bucks fifty for the, the sequel. Um. Oh, the free one is overwhelmingly positive, and the paid one is only very positive. Um, oh, because nobody's playing it, apparently. Gutted. Um, yeah, I'm not sure how it's different, but I'd be interested to check it out. Uh, yeah. Anyway, check it out. Do nice. Okay. What's next? Uh, Dota Underlords. Dota Underlords. Do you know... What I have found uh, in Dota Unwards is that playing other auto chess games has made me explicitly garbage at Dota Underwards. I am fucking bad at it now. It is <laughs> infuriating. Uh, I don't seem to be able to win a game uh, if I win early. I basically can only win games from losing streaks. Otherwise, if I if I win my first couple of rounds, I guarantee you I'll lose. I'll probably drop out on fucking sixth. Uh, if I lose until I'm down to like fucking 20 fucking hit points, mm. I will win. I guarantee it. I guarantee you I will win that fucking game. Uh, I will sit there and just fucking mince every single fucking prick with 90 plus health uh, <laughs> for the next fucking hour. Uh, but yeah, if I don't have, if I've got like fucking 80 health left by round 15, <laughs> it's over for me. Like, I'm just not, I'm just not going to win. Um, yeah, it's still fun. I'm still enjoying it. Uh, but I, f- I definitely feel like it's getting, uh, a bit stale. I know there's a update coming out, uh, probably tomorrow. Some, tomorrow. Yeah. But it seems like at the moment it's just like you only see, knights or hunter warrior like it's just all knights all the time or hunter warrior and i'm pretty tired of it it is easy for me to beat both of them with my mages my six mage wombo combo uh but yeah it's yeah it's it's not very i guess engaging oh look Knights and dragons again. Yeah. Oh wow, Shaka. Uh, what's? I wonder what third dragon. Like, are they going to get a third dragon? That's that's the only real fucking trick, right? Like, oh, it's night dragon, so it's going to be fucking dragon knight and viper every single fucking time. Uh, 
and whatever knights they could fucking get because every get other card in this game is getting the fucking going for knights as well. Uh, yeah, and yeah, do they get a puck as well or do they get someone else? I guess only time will tell. Uh, you never see, yeah, you never see anything else. It's it's ludicrous. Or, or yeah, I guess warriors and hunters and you're like, mm. oh, they don't have sniper yet so I guess they'll be easy to beat uh, and then they get sniper uh, suddenly like they show up with a fucking two star sniper the next time they come through and you're like oh fuck <laughs> <laughs> you're like it'll always always shoot the you know one person who's gonna keep all your shit together crystal maiden just gets fucking deleted off the fucking board and you're like well there goes all of my mana so, <laughs> I guess I'm going to lose this round. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. They 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 need to do something to change that up. The way they changed it up in Auto Chess is the gods, uh, the gods variant, which is the gods racial, which um, if you have no other racials apart from gods, uh, I believe you get like a massive cooldown reduction, which is a, it really changes the way you, you construct a fucking, uh, team because like a lot more shit becomes super viable. Uh, if you, if you can make it work, like the, uh, assassins is really, really powerful. If you can knock the cooldown right down, mm-hmm. you still need mana generation, but like if you can get it all the way down there. Uh, yeah, you can have them procking and just fucking wiping teams off the fucking board, like, right. real quick. Um, yeah, I reckon Warlocks would probably be pretty viable with uh, gods as well, because the main problem, the main re- like, they did that f- rejig of Warlocks. They changed how they worked last week. Yeah. Um, so that now, instead of... It was sort of just lifesteal. Now it's like a direct link of lifesteal. Yeah. Um, the reason, if you can get like soul sucking siphon, the, the warlock global, I think it's called soul sucking siphon, uh, something like that. Something siphon. Um, if you can get that, uh, you can, yeah, ramp up how much like life you're a- able to steal, but you'll never fucking win a game with warlocks as it is, uh, like right now, because mm-hmm. there's no fucking way you, you can st- out steal like you can steal health faster than people can take it from you basically uh but if your cooldown reduction like cooldowns were way down then you'd be able to you'd see warlock just like warlock the warlock like just fucking keeping everyone alive non-stop it'd yeah. be fucking hairy as um yeah which would be interesting um i got two two soul sucking siphons and it still wasn't enough to like uh get me the win with a warlock's team uh, you just literally cannot outpace the rate at which you get missed, mm. um, which is a bummer. But yeah, what do you think? Are you still having fun? I'm still playing it. Yeah, every night I'll have a couple of games. Um, yeah, I, yeah like you said, it, I mean, it's getting to that point where people are starting to figure out builds, and that's sort of the the thing you start seeing, like uh, card games, like um, Hearthstone and whatnot. Like, what's the build everyone should go with? And that's sort of what's happening here is that people are figuring out what the most powerful builds are and they're the just meta. building. Yeah, they're just going for that. Yep. Um, and I don't know the way to fix that is by adding more heroes in the game so it's more random. 
Like there's yep. a lesser a chance of getting that stuff because at the moment, yep. if you want to go for six nights, three, six, or how is it nine nights? That's the most? I can't remember. Um, like if you want to do a nights build, then you can go for nights. Like it's nothing's going to stop you unless there's someone else that's also doing that. And then it just becomes a thing of who's going to get there first and then who's yep. going to get knocked out first so you can steal their nights off them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's just this thing where you see the builds like the same builds constantly. Like nobody's yep. really trying anything new. On occasion, like I think I talked about it last week, I got that, the troll buff. Yeah. Um, and I got that twice and it's just like, well, go on trolls now. And then yeah. you just build all trolls and you get, you know, four trolls, which gives you the buff of everybody around you gets um, plus, I think it's 30%, 35% attack speed or no, not 30%. It's just a number, 35%, 35 yeah. plus attack speed but then you get the drow in there and she does like a percentage attack speed yeah and then all of a sudden everybody's just destroying the other team um, like the other team has no chance i've done that another two times since i played yeah but otherwise well, troll troll knights is a pretty fucking popular yeah like wombo combo as it is right like the it's a pretty yeah pretty common to see a lot of fucking Troll knights. If they're not going dragon knights, they're going troll knights for sure. Uh, mm. Everyone. It just seems like everyone's just trying to take knights nonstop. Uh, I noticed that I fuck up my position. Like most of my dumbest fucking losses are from fucking up my positioning. Right. Uh, where I just just not paying attention. Like it's the games where I'm like literally setting and forgetting, and then walking away and doing other stuff. Right. And I come back and I'm like, how the fuck did I lose that? And uh, I look into it and like, yeah, like I watch the next round and like all of my fucking pieces will run in weird fucking directions. You're like, yeah. oh, well, you like this? And you switch some shit around and yeah, you go back to winning rounds. But yeah, mm. my main problem, because I'm mostly playing it on my phone. My main problem is that I like... I don't know, man. I have a real tough time getting a fucking uh, multiplayer game on mobile. I don't know what's going on. Like, That's, it yeah, seems weird. like, yeah, like it really struggles to find matches for me on uh, what, but only when I'm on mobile. Hmm. It's weird. I don't know if my connection's not up snuff or what. Yeah, I mean that is. I see a lot of people playing on mobile yeah, when I'm too. playing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's strange. Yeah, this is like I'm starting to do things with looking at the the scoreboard a lot more. I like the the little button they put in now, where you can gives you a really detailed view of what people have got and what items they got, as opposed to like clicking on each person and being like, all right, what build are they doing? What, what's their synergies? Now I can just click on the scoreboard and be like, all right, they've got uh, two drows on their bench, and I'm going drows like that sort of thing. You've not seen this button, have you? No, absolutely. Haven't. I'm I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah it's basically um like a drill down of every single character that every single person that's playing what characters they've got in their game what they've yep. got on their bench their current win ratio their gold amount uh what items they've got what global items they've got like a breakdown like everything so you can quickly see it all and be like all right like that very first round for instance you can be like every like oh, okay six people have picked up Bloodseeker. Maybe I shouldn't go Bloodseeker. Maybe I should yep. go something else. Maybe I should go Inventors. No. No. 
<laughs> Reroll. I'll just you lose this round. Absolutely shouldn't. <laughs> just yeah, just open fort. <laughs> yeah, and so they changed that the um, open fort stuff. They've changed the losing streaks. Yeah. Um. So they, there's less incentive to lose now. The highest amount of gold you can get is two two gold yep. for five losses in a row, yeah. and um, four gold for eight wins in a row. Yeah, and so for eight wins in a row, you get four now. Yeah, but it resets after eight wins, which is like a, a bit more of an incentive, I guess. Well, just yeah, it just means that you know it could be certain people can't run away with their economy. Yeah. I mean, you can still like you can still pretty like you can still open fort and get to fifty gold before round fifteen. Sure. By like I think round twelve, if you don't buy anything at all, but you probably want to buy at least the ones one gold stuff that comes up because mm-hmm. um, otherwise you, yeah like once you get the 50 gold uh, you wind up in a situation where <laughs> like you'll be level 5 and the one the cheap stuff won't be coming up anymore at all so you kind of get boned right um, yeah uh, oh do you know what I noticed I got the global I've been grabbing I've been playing games where I don't get like I'll get a global at the start, like my first three rounds, I'll get globals. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes the globals I get offered are absolute garbage, uh, but I'll use them as an it's like excuse to try something very different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is good. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I do that as well sometimes. Um, but I got the global that gets you one more offered item. Yeah. D- during the AI round. And, uh, I do that a lot. it's awesome. I had no idea. I thought it was, uh, I thought it would be shit. Uh, mostly because like it is an extra offer, but you can't take an extra item. So yeah, eh. but it also like the extra one doesn't get wiped out if you lose the AI round. So mm. you can actually like you still get two choices if you lose an AI round, which is pretty rad. If you get to the fucking if you forget to reorder your fucking uh units for the dog and pony show yeah uh which i do i would say 99 percent of all my games uh i forget to fucking put a fucking tank in the back line just to stop the fucking dogs from eating all my shit right but yeah i mean it also means that you can um like you've got a higher chance of getting a high tier weapon or a high tier item like an extra roll on there yeah which is good i generally pick it up if it's you know, not late game. Because sometimes you can see it at round 20 or right. something like that. I'm like, oh, do I need it now? Yeah. Over yeah this other- no. Like, if it's a blink dagger and that, I'm like, oh, I'll go the fucking extra item. <laughs> I never use a blink dagger. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Some people uh, fucking swear by it. I've seen a couple, they, like, really like to use a, like, put a pudge, a, a big pudge in the with the blink dagger, put him in the back line, hmm. and he starts, like, wailing on your shit. Uh, and then he'll hook like a fucking knife away, and it's pretty fucking good, man. Like he'll hook your your front running knights from the fucking front line, drag him back over to you, and like your knight bonuses all fall to pieces as a result. And you're like, ah! and then you fucking die. Right. Um, it's, it's not bad. Like it's it's not a bad idea, but I'd also yeah, I never do the blink tagger myself mm. either. The other items added in four stuff, which is useless. Um, they need to change that is, to do something else. Is that the one that pushes people away? Yeah. 
It's good against Knights. It just shoves. It shoves. Might the, be the, the most problem. useless item in the game. <laughs> the main problem. Yeah, well, no, it definitely needs to be better. But it, it like it does. It's good against the the knights with the knight fucking global, because you just all you want to do is get that knight out of there, like as many knights as possible out of there, because the the buff that the global the knight global does um, the armor reduction is ludicrous yeah i mean it needs to be changed to do something like either an allied item so that it pushes away an ally that's on low health to to your backline or something like that or 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 in in terms of the enemy maybe it's um if someone's on low health maybe at the backline it pushes them forward or something like that like you want to be an advantage because at the moment it's just random yeah. Like you could be attacking like. a unit that's in the front line that's nearly dead and then all of a sudden it's pushed them to their back line and they're saved. I would like it if it was basically tiny. If it was tiny's special. So it pushes them away and when they land they stun people in a fucking radius around them. Because yeah. then people like then the, whoever it pushed away, if they were doing their little corner strategy you'd stun a whole bunch of people mm-hmm. uh and so you need to think about that right like and you could do it like it could proc early so you'd have a good opening and you could still get tiny in the mix uh to bust people up and do the stun as well and then it could proc again you know like that'd actually be pretty useful uh, i don't yeah i don't know how else it would work to be terribly like it's just not like it would still wouldn't be worth uh, the pick by the like by the round it comes out because it's like a tier three item, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's just not worth it, right? Like, no, I've no, yeah. I think it'll get rebalanced or they'll do something to it because I think it's pretty useless at the moment. Yeah. Um, the other items added were the the scythe and the the global contract. Um, Scythe changes people into a um, uh, I don't know what you call them, an animal, a frog, a chicken, whatever. Oh no, the pig, right? Turns them into a pig, right? Is that the scythe? Yeah. Or is there some other item that, turn, that turns people? Yeah, into it'll a turn them into animal. Um, right. so that yeah. that when you take damage, whoever's doing the damage will transform into a pig. So it could be handy for um. I love to put it anywhere, on the back man. Line. It's it's anywhere, yeah. like front, back line. It's it's a pretty handy item, no matter where you put it. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, big time contract is so that's a bloodbound that you put on like your, um, your bloodbound units. Which there's only I think there's only two of them at the moment, and so this gives you like a third option, um, which you can. Oh, it gives you a third bloodbound. Yeah, I got this. This is yeah. fucking sick. Oh, it was so good. I put it on a tiny. Uh, and it was ludicrous because I had, uh, Ogre, Ogre Magi, Magi and, um, and Warlock already. Warlock's the other one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had them already and, yeah, I was fucking ripping three cunts. Uh, yeah. and as soon as Tiny got it, the 100% bonus, I, I literally moved Warlock to the front line. Yeah. So that he would die. Yeah. That's what I did. And Ogre Magi and... Tiny were fucking 
punting. It was ludicrous. It was fucking awesome. Hmm. Yeah, I was a huge fan of that one. Um, yeah. And I had the refresher all on Ogre Magi. Yeah. Just fucking bloodlust all over the fucking show. Sick. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Um, the other one that was in the patch notes, which they changed, was the Silver Lining global item. I actually used that last night. It's the first time I've used it, which is every time you win a round, you get a charge. Yep. And you hold on to that charge. Whenever you lose a round, you lose a charge, but you get a piece of gold. Right. So it's like an extra gold. Yep. Yeah. I mean, the items that I was given was, I think, again, a blink dagger. And I was like, don't need that. And then like two other globals that I didn't need that were part of like a synergy that- you know, I wasn't using, so weren't gonna. Yeah, may as well just get that. Yep. Um. So that was that was handy, and the rest of it, the rest of the changes they had were pretty basic stuff. Um, nothing exciting in there, but yeah, like I'm still I'm still digging it. I just hope they add some more units into the game. I think that'll yep. sort out the the matter in terms of this is what you should build because there's not like a huge stack amount. Like if they start adding more randomness into the game. Yeah. In terms of making it harder for you to go for an exact build, like yeah, ten needing to needing to pivot or yeah. at least make comp- compromises, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and they've talked about a big patch coming out tomorrow, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. What we talked about this last week, but they're they're going to be changing the way the battling system works, or they're looking into changing it. Maybe we did mention it last week. Uh, no, I think we talked about how we'd like to see it happen. All right. But- they, because they only started talking about how they after changing. we talked about it, yeah, obviously after they listened to the, to the podcast. Fucking um, Eric Johnson, always classic, us. classic Eric. He does <laughs> like to check in on his boys, um, that party animal, that pussy slayer, Eric Johnson from Val. Um, yeah, uh, we, um, uh. We were talking about it. They've been talking about it as well. They're changing it so that when there's only two people left, they're going to do like a different dual interface, like uh, so that it's it's more cinematic, apparently. So oh, they're working yeah. on that. Uh, hopefully that also means they're going to introduce some one-on-ones because I reckon that'd be fucking interesting. And lastly, yeah, they're working, they, they're currently testing uh, a version of the game where it's all head-to-heads. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. Look, at the end of the day, the only way, like, I gotta assume that they want to turn this into an esport. Yeah. Uh, the only way it works as an esport is with head to heads. Yeah. It doesn't work as an esport if you can't, like, this, the viewability is just fucking cooked. Uh, spectatability is just fucking terrible if it's not head to heads because it's too hard to track. Uh, you're literally just watching health meters and it's still, not a great indication of how someone's going because there's all the intangibles. Right. Um, so, yeah, watching, like, clicking between everyone to see who's winning and losing and how much buying and all that kind of shit just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, head-to-heads. It's got to be. Got to go that way. Yeah. Um, should be good. Yeah. Big patch tomorrow. Or- Have they talked about what's in the patch yet? No, not yet. Because well, yesterday they teased it. They teased it. Sorry, last week they teased it on the Friday. Like, hey, this is what we're bringing out. Right. Um, I'm not sure. I can quickly check, but... Check the... Uh, Seems like they've got a d- Discord channel where they've been updating, like the devs have been talking about changes that are coming and whatnot. Got to get in on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they are, 
changing ranks apparently, but that's not this week. That's next week apparently. Uh, yeah, and uh, oh, they've got someone's someone's been doing a bit of the old uh, deep diving. Looked into the files, the game files, and they found some extra heroes that aren't currently in the game: Lion, Zeus, Sven, and Phantom Lancer. Oh, and Storm Spirit are apparently uh, game in the game files. Mm-hmm. So that'd be so Zeus. Well, in in uh, Auto Chess mod, Zeus is one of the gods. Yeah, like part of the god. Thing uh, I think Mars was the other is the other one. Um, Mars is yeah a new character. Or like God of War maybe I don't know. He's got this giant fucking shield and he like fucking bashes yeah, that's people. Mars, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, he fucking wrecks. Uh, it's pretty good. Hmm. Um, yeah, they've also got like in the auto chess mod they've got IO. I don't know if you've seen that, but IO is a unit. Uh, that works different to every other one. Uh, it, I don't know, he, she, it. Um, you can combine it with two other units. <coughs> Sorry, you can combine IO with two other units uh, as sort of a wild card unit. So mm. you can get your three star, uh, your, your two star from just two other units, but it's always five gold. So you've got to weigh it up. Right, like, do you is it worth five gold to bump it up? Right, um, and at two star, you can use to get or three star, um, which would be interesting. That that'd change the landscape quite a lot because by the time you got to four gold uh, units, trying to get them to three star, yeah, it would an I a two star I it would be pretty fucking helpful in that situation. But yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, I saw. Uh, someone had two brawnies. Uh, those that that one where every kill they get, they get extra. They had double stack of that. Oh. They had some like fucking eleven thousand HP juggernaut. Oh yes, like, spinning around. I found that jugs the best one to get kills on most of the yeah. time. Or um, Beastmaster's pretty good. Beastmaster would be good. Yeah, I yeah. See. unless you've got an axe really early. Yeah, that is getting I'd some star. Yeah. getting some kills. It's a bit hard. But because yep. um, you mainly set him up as like a tank, yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it's, it's mm. hard on that one. Yeah, man, I'm digging it. Like I'm still playing it. I'll, I'll jump on it at night and play a couple rounds. It's it's fun. Yeah. Um, seems like a lot of people are still playing it. I see some of our crew that don't play Dota. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that are pretty knee deep in it. Yep. Um. Yeah. As long as they keep updating it and making some good changes, I think it's coming on pretty well uh did i see some stuff about it doing like crazy numbers somewhere uh i don't know i haven't seen any uh, oh maybe not i think it's maybe it's still going down uh, it got to a point what was it Two hundred thousand was the peak players it's it's pretty steady in terms of its peak players the last um like what month three weeks it's been out yeah pretty consistent yeah anyway cool what else we got here um apex hold up i gotta piss all right
All right, yep. Apex Legends. Oh yeah, season two. Oh, yeah. Yes, still playing bounce. a lot of it. It's bounce. Yeah, it's extremely addictive. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I bought the season pass. You bought season pass. Yep. I think we talked about this because we enjoy playing it. Yeah. Um. I, I love the I love the map change. I reckon it's yeah. it's really good. You know, uh, it's a it's made a lot of new, like a lot of areas, actually interesting to to run through now. Hmm. Um, not sort of just places you pass by on the way to other places, but actual yeah locations uh, worth visiting now, which is cool. Yep. Yeah, uh, the hop ups for the alternator and Mozambique uh, and RE forty five and P twenty twenty. P twenty twenty is still a giant piece of shit that isn't worth picking up but uh the alternator is fucking awesome now uh mozambique's still a turd but you can get away with some shit with it which is cool uh we talked about that alternator last week yeah though i thought i was gonna get nerfed and it did yeah it's still good yeah it's just not as stupid as what it was before it was ridiculous um but yeah it's still good um i've had a couple of games where i'm literally running around with a fucking alternator hmm uh, as like my main fucking weapon. Uh, if I got the hop up, I will do it one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, over an R ninety nine. If I don't have the hop up, then I will grab the R ninety nine or an R three hundred one. But yeah, it's, it's been like real good. Uh, I did want to talk about ranked because I think they've got a. Tr- I think they've got a problem with ranked. I think ranked explo- exposes a flaw in. Uh, in Apex as uh, eSports because it plays literally nothing like regular Apex. It plays absolutely nothing like it. I don't think that's always a huge problem. Uh, I guess, you know, quick play is very different to uh, ranked play in Overwatch, for example. Um, But, yeah, it's... Yeah, it, it is just rank tanking, yeah, camping, garbage uh, in Apex, and it's different compared to Overwatch. Overwatch gets away with it because at the end of the day, it's still largely the same because the objectives are quite clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, the nature of the game is different. You know, it's not as structured. It's not based around you know strategy as much as it is based around general hero play in quick play, uh, like general, you know, dexterity, uh, manual dexterity, uh, which, yeah, tends to shine in quick play, whereas teamwork is what's critical in ranked and eSport version of Overwatch. Uh, that's different to Apex because the what's different between regular Apex and ranked Apex is the pace is so fucking different. And the pace of Apex is it's 
like unique selling point is you know it's a really fast-paced battle royale it is about like go 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 like non-stop fucking hammer um hammering the fucking pedal to the metal fucking just careening as fast as you can onto the next fucking fight uh to the point where i honest to god sometimes think that if i don't get into a fight early i will lose when i get into a fight later because i just don't like my nerves aren't in it Mm. you know and if i most of my best games most of my successful games are one fight after another after another after another right like yeah it works that's what apex is right is the fucking chaotic sure fucking pace and ranked apex is nothing like that at all it is there's so many fucking and i don't like i don't have a huge problem with it uh as a player because it's my generally my preferred play style right like it's why i've been enjoying PUBG again is because largely i prefer the decision making um situation where you decide to not take a battle right i find that extremely compelling the like the question of whether or not you fire i find that question drives a lot of fucking tension Sure. Uh, in a game like PUBG. And so in Apex, I don't have a problem with not taking the shot. Uh, I do think, though, that for from an esports perspective, it's just, it's bad. It's bad for Apex because it won't look like Apex. Mm. Uh, it's the same as, like, Fortnite esports, right? doesn't look anything like what people play yeah. in general. It's just fucking buildings for days. Building and people a do- fucking fort <laughs> yeah, and just hiding like in a it? tower and yeah constantly building and building and building like it's that's not very compelling um yeah apex i believe hiding and hiding and hiding because it's so different from the regular apex experience uh will be a, like bad for them. they need to properly incentivize people to go for kills kills should be worth two points uh in their ranking system I obviously i haven't done any fucking I haven't even done napkin maths on, on this, but kills should be worth more, I think, two points, uh, and rejig the rest of your fucking ranking system to make it work, uh, and don't cap it at five, so that people can literally chase kills to get... Because that that's what you need. You need people to go for kills. You do not want people going for ranking, hmm. because what, what winds up happening is you've got fucking the second-last circle... And there's still fucking six teams left, and they're all just fucking hiding to get hiding. Yeah, that extra we're, point. We're trying to like bait out that extra, like bait out a, a third party mm. conflict to get someone to, to jump in and get killed, stuff like that. Or yeah, you wind up like we've done a couple of times with Watson, like sitting in a room, blocking off all the doors, and then uh, taking potties for like minutes at a time never actually going in because they don't have the fucking mobility to get around the fucking Watson walls. Um, yeah, like, it's not like I, like I said, I find it interesting and compelling and fun, but I do not think it would be a good spectating experience. Mm-hmm. I don't think it'd be fun to watch. Uh, cause yeah, you're literally just waiting and waiting and waiting, maybe taking a shot every now and then, but mostly just waiting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess for me, the thing that I found is the level of play is higher, a lot higher. Um, yeah. As well, like, 
there's a chance when you're playing casual, you can just run in and just steamroll people. Yeah. Whereas I'm up to, I think, gold three or gold four. One yeah. of those two. Um, yeah, man. Like, you can't, you got to think about whether or not you take a fight because everybody else that's in that match is either gold or platinum or, mm. or like high silver. Um, or getting drained. Okay. Because <laughs> they teamed up with someone who's in gold three. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, like, you've got to really think about getting into a fight because they're are going to be good shots. They're going to be good players. They know what they're doing. Speaking of, sorry to interrupt, but speaking of the idea of me being bronze three and getting dragged into fucking gold three games hmm. uh, with you because I team up with you, if I get fucking seven kills and come second in a gold three game, I should get more than fucking the whatever, 14 points or whatever the fuck it was that I got. I should get fucking, I should get fucking ranks. I should get, they should put me up to silver or some <laughs> shit, right? Like, that's fucking stupid. I should not, clearly I'm better than bronze three. What, like, what if, what's going to, I'm just going to go fucking match on my own mm. and go fucking stomp some fucking little bronzies? That doesn't make any sense. Like, <laughs> if I'm killing fucking seven goldies, then clearly I'm not supposed to be in bronze. That's how yeah. matchmaking uh, systems work. Yeah, like, oof. And it's I think that's built the problem around grind. They're not. It's yeah, they're not taking grind. into account the players you're playing against. They're taking into account literally your kills and placement in the game, regardless of who else you're playing against. It doesn't matter, yeah. and that's an yeah. issue. Like, um, I think I talked about this last week. The way that like Dota does it, and like their matchmaking is super intricate. They look at your ranking. And they look at the other four play, like the other t- team members on your team and their ranking, and it gives you like a score. And then it goes out and finds another team and tries to get you a similar Close team you're playing yeah. against. And then, depending on the percentage of win chance you've got winning that against that other team, will depend on how much ranking you gain or lose if you win. Yeah. Like, if you are, if it does that maths and goes, you, your chance of winning this game is not good but then you win it, you get ranked higher. You get more points because you weren't supposed to win that game. Yeah. Like, it does that sort of shit in its matchmaking and its MMR, but this is purely yeah. just five kills and it's capped and then your placement. So you get a you get rank tanking. You're not getting... Um, there is far less, like, hot drops. Yeah. And a lot more, like, there is not much left to go on this plane and there's still 30 people sitting in here. Yeah. And everyone's like trying to think about where they should go because at that stage, and I think it's a, a good change still. In my position, it costs me points to play each round. Yep. Like I need to get a minimum amount of kills, or I need to get a minimum amount of like two points, which is two kills, or I think rank ten, um, yep. in order to make any progress. And if I don't do that, then I lo- I'm losing progress. Um, yep. So I think that's a good incentive, but. I think the problem is the cap on the five kills is an issue because if you yeah. get to five kills, there's no point playing anymore. No, well, you you no no point taking fights anymore. Yeah, at least if you're geared, right? you may as well just, just wait until yeah, just just wait until the final circle. Uh, which is yeah, not good, right? It's objectively not good. Uh, it's a straight up mistake. Um, yeah, and yeah, I go fucking. I don't. Know, I'm still salty. I'm still salty about. All those kills. Yeah. Um, I'm still enjoying it. I like, I think the higher level yeah. of play is fun. It's a lot more strategic. You got to think yeah. about fights you get into. Like the other players are going to be good. Um, mm. 
uh, I was playing with Cleb the other night until 5.30 in the morning. Like we were, yeah. I'm not, the last session like that I've done probably like six or seven months ago where I've had a really late session playing games. But um, yeah, we just played all night, like from eight o'clock, seven o'clock till five o'clock in the morning. We just sat there the whole time just playing playing ranked. We got up to gold or and I think we went to bed. We played a bit of casual as well. Like games are still popping. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty random. It was fun. Um, nice. Casual. Still playing a lot of that as well. Every once in a while, jump into the um, the challenges, yeah, and whatnot. They're they're cool. Um, thank thank goodness I removed the location based challenges. Oh. Yeah, for the most part, there's still a couple in there, right? Um, but that was yeah. definitely ruining the experience because that yeah. s- first couple of days, it was like nobody would drop with you, like yeah. they would just drop to wherever their challenge was, and then fucking see you later suddenly yep. you're by yourself so they've gotten rid of that for the most part there is still one or two in there um but hopefully they just ditch that completely because location-based challenges are, are dumb um getting 200 points or was it three knockdowns at a location yeah is like ultra frustrating because you are literally praying that someone else drops with you because if you drop at hydro and nobody else drops at fucking hydro yeah then you're not going to complete the fucking so you basically unless really the circle gets to drop. unless yeah unless you're lucky enough to have the fucking circle come to you but hmm. i i think there's something they flagged my account or something and the circle will always be on the opposite <laughs> end of the fucking map from me yeah um yeah like it's it's super dumb yeah um I hate them. Somebody did the maths as well that the the way they changed the grinder before you would play, I think it was 70 minutes in order to get like a level. Oh, yeah. It's now uh, five hours. Jesus Christ. But the alternative to that is they've got the daily challenges and the weekly challenges, which give you like actual level up and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I did see some graphs being like, you can definitely play the game and get to level 100. Here's how many weeks that you can possibly miss, depending on your chances and whatnot. So that, I mean, it's still possible to get to 100. It just, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know if there's an actual stat yet on the difference between the two. Right. Um, but people were just looking into how the, the grinds have sort of changed. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of how they changed the grind at all, to mm-hmm. be honest. Uh, and if I put that together earlier, I might not have paid for the battle pass, to be honest. Mm. Uh, just because it seems kind of gross. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm up to level like 20 or around there, 17, 20-ish. Yeah. Um, quite a bunch, but it's good. Digging it. Really enjoying the new the new landscape, uh, the new areas and whatnot. So it's good fun. All right. Should we do some news? No, what about the sinking city? Oh, we haven't talked about that. Right, I missed that. Sinking City. Go on. All right. Um, So, The Sinking City is a... um, a Detective game uh, based in the world of um, H.P. Lovecraft. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of an open-world, like, free-roaming action-adventure where you play a private eye, uh, a private investigator... Like Batman. 
not Batman, sadly, uh, who is go who goes to this this city, uh, and the city is slowly sinking. And uh, every, you're going there because you're you're having these visions. You heard you could find more details about these visions if you go to the city. Uh, everyone on the fucking island is having these visions as well. There's creepy fucking monster things that are have way too many fucking legs roaming around and. The visions are all like freaky dicky type shits, uh, of like tentacles and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's Lovecraftian, like Cthulhu, Cthulhu type stuff. Um, before it begins, it tells you that, uh, it's based on the works of H.P. Lovecraft, uh, who had some, um, uh, unsavory, uh, opinions on race uh he was a fucking out and out racist like a hardcore racist essentially and uh he would weave this racism into his books uh they they state up front that they're not going to change any of that uh because they feel it would be i guess intellectually dishonest uh i don't like it doesn't carry out it's not like people are roaming roam around dropping the n-bomb or whatever the fuck uh there are instead, like, so far, what I've noticed are themes of, uh, like, racial tension type right. stuff. Um, and there are some pretty uh, aggressively worded uh, words, uh, like, nicknames, slurs, Um that, that are used that could be analogs for real world right. racist bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like it's, it's definitely there, right? And it's tricky, uh, to, to, I guess, accept it for what it is. But yeah, like, I don't know. I, I sort of, I guess, you know, the thing is, right? It's easy for us to brush it off because, uh, he wasn't racist against white dudes. So it wouldn't really impact us, right? But I can imagine, I can see how it might feel extremely uncomfortable to other people. Anyway, uh, you see it, like, it, in my opinion, it actually makes it feel a bit more fleshed out as a world, like a bit more real as a world, because it is familiar to what we understand mm-hmm. uh, as as a world. You know, the, the concept of um, races not necessarily getting along, in this case, the fish fish-faced people and uh ape-faced people um and like and then there's regular old humans um yeah they uh they none of them get along there's like murders you investigate them it's cool right the investigation stuff is is quite cool you you've got a bit of a batman style uh sixth sense to be able to look at a crime scene, you gather all the evidence, gather all the um, clues, and then you make your conclusions based on those clues. And you use that to track down people and, and stuff like that. Um, like track down, yeah, a killer or something like that. Uh, track down these visions that you're trying to find out more about, all that kind of stuff. And you get tasked with... No, these these cases, and you got to investigate the cases. And at the end of a case, at the, like I've only done the first case so far, um, but at the end of the case, I was given the option to 
you know, lie and say that the the guy, the murderer, you know, uh, was already dead, that I'd killed him. Um, and, or, or I could give him up. I gave him up because hmm. uh, he seemed like a racist, hmm. uh, but he was claiming that he had no recollection and that some sort of fucking sea madness had overtaken him and that's why he murdered the other guy. Uh, I just didn't really believe it, so I gave him up and I assume he was killed. Sure. Um, yeah, it was... Um, I don't know how that's going to... Like, whether that's going to impact my relationships with other people. It seems like it would. Um, it's interesting to go through and, like, you sort of... You make conclusions based on the clues you've got. You'll be like... Um, You shot him and he was wounded and you chased after him and you can combine those clues right. and be like, like, this was no regular fucking argument. This is, this was, you murdered him. You chased him down and you shot him in the head, right? And you mm. can combine that shit together and put that, present that fucking evidence to the other person to get them to try to get them to confess and stuff like that, which is cool. Um, yeah, that works really well. The like the broader world of um the city that you're in, the sinking city. I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember any names from any of like I absorbed the game and not a single fucking name. They're all kind of weird. So Is it Venice? Yeah, that's what it is, it's Venice. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Um <laughs> No worries. <laughs> um yeah, the the city has like all kinds of like it's it's got its own quirks and stuff. It's got like uh, areas you shouldn't go to. It's quite large. It's got a boat because there's like sunken areas already, and you don't want to get in the water because there's fucking these eel things that eat you, something like that. Um, and yeah, like it's just it seems quite cool. Um, I am enjoying it so far. Right, I have to get into a bit more. Hmm play it a bit more but yeah for now i think it's an interesting like attempt at melding like at a because basically like grand theft auto but you you play a detective and right. i love like the era i love that um pi the 1920s pi style era and hmm. um yeah just it's just a cool little world to explore um with some obviously quite dark shit going on underneath yeah which is cool how does the detective stuff work in relation to um if you compare it to like sherlock holmes crimes and punishment or was it yeah was that the one i played i think that's the one i played yeah because that was the one where you'd have like these bubbles in the world like your your book that you'd look at and you'd sort of connect clues and that would branch out into different parts and that wasn't necessarily the right solution to the like the puzzle like it you could quite fail similarly. it. <laughs> yeah, you could get the wrong conclusion. You could put stuff together incorrectly. You can do the same in in this as well. Uh, you get your clues, and yeah, when you're combining them, you can combine them to get the wrong conclusion, uh, and it will lead you to the wrong area and stuff like that. And you might have to retrace your steps. Uh, the Sherlock Holmes game sort of took you from location to location. This one, you like make your way to these locations on your own and stuff like that. Um, right, because it is yeah, it's an open world. It's based yeah GTA, GTA style yeah, wandering around stuff, uh, which is cool. Um, 
but yeah, the investigation is quite similar. I haven't, I haven't fucked up my investigation yet, but I can see how I could have fucked up that previous investigation. Sure. Uh, there are a couple of opportunities where I, like, situations where I might have fucked up. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, like, I've heard things about it. It just wasn't received that well. No, it wasn't. Like, uh, super mixed. Some of the reviews, and I had a read of the, the GameSpot review, which appears to be the lowest one, and that one, that seemed pretty fucking harsh. Like, that was a pretty harsh review. It gave it a 3 out of 10. Hmm. Um, and, yeah, it was, I don't know, it was a bit mean-spirited. I can I can dig the old, you know, <laughs> sink in the booting review, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they went a bit ham at them. Um, yeah. But, then again, that was their experience. It might have, yeah, they might have... You know, the, everyone's got their own experiences. Everyone's their own reviewer. So, yep. yeah. What are you going to do? Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's above average, but I wouldn't drop everything to go play it. I just got into it because I like Cthulhu and, yeah, that's about it. Fair enough. Um, yeah, sounds like it takes about 20 hours to finish all up. Right. Yeah, for the main sort of story. Well, yeah, I'll probably knock it out in one hour bursts. Yeah, um, but yeah. Right, yeah. News. 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 Overnight, Nintendo announced a new Nintendo Switch device Switch called Light. Yeah, the Switch Lite. Um, mm. Couple interesting features on this one. Could you call them features or lack of features? Yeah, Lack a of, of features. Absent features <laughs> uh, on this one. So you, there's no IR port anymore. Um, there is no uh, like little latch on the back of the device that you could use it to like stand up on tabletop mode. And they've removed the ability to be able to play it on a TV. So there's no dock anymore. Yeah. Um, I guess the other one is that the controls on the side, which was the whole like marketing thing behind the switch it's part of the logo like the ability to remove these controls off the side uh and now attach the device it's all one hard attached or one thing uh there's no hasty rumble which was a massive portion of the fucking selling selling point of the device as well yeah uh, there's no yeah they're not ir capable uh yeah you can't switch it it doesn't switch it's to not a switch. It's there's, there's no switching. There's no switch, uh, which is wild. Better still, uh, unless they are deliberately improving the Joy-Con controls. I'm on my third pair of Joy Cons. They literally degrade mm. with like through normal use. They will like straight up just wear themselves out because of the fucking joysticks that they're using like it is one of the most common problems with the switch itself so if they haven't fixed that then the joy cons don't come off you can't replace the joy cons so your switch lights will literally just be broken uh for me inside of a year yeah uh yeah which is fucked 
utterly cooked. Uh, like, I cannot understand how this exists. This is... People are saying it's the 2DS uh, all over again. It's worse. It's so much worse than the 2DS. Yeah. Like, the 2DS got rid of 3D, which I never turned on anyway, uh, and didn't seem like it had much like point to it. Um, this is... Yeah. This is fucked. Uh, it doesn't switch. It's missing so many features. It is $120 cheaper or something like that. Not even. 140 Yeah, 140 Yeah. No, it's it's like on sale at the moment. For oh, well, yeah. Three, like on, it's on sale at the moment and it has been cheaper for $3.99 in Australia. Yeah. The RRP for this one is $3.30. 70 bucks yeah. difference. If you're going to buy a console and have a choice between the two, I'm going the regular version. This we, yeah. the price point needed to to be like somewhere in the two fifties to two hundreds. Yeah, yeah, probably two hundred. I was just counting off the RRP, but yeah, the the RRP for the fucking dock itself to buy a new dock is one hundred and twenty dollars. So at sale price, at current sale price, the switch, like you are basically just getting fucking ripped off. Hmm. Sixty bucks. Uh, you, you're missing out. Um, it's such a fucking, ugh, yeah, it's dog shit. I cannot understand how they came out with this. I've seen a lot of, I've seen a couple Nintendo fanboys. They are on board with this thing. Of course they are. Unsurprisingly, talking about how they don't use it on their TV anyway. Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get one. Fucking hell. Absolutely insane. Even <laughs> even if you like, even if you don't use it on your TV or whatever the fuck, you would still you should still get a fucking regular switch because the fucking Joy Cons are gonna break and it's going to mean the death of the entire fucking console. It's like literally built into it. They are fucked. They're made of low quality. The joysticks are made of low quality materials. That literally wear themselves out. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah. Anyway. I just um man, I don't know. They they could have done such a good job with this. I, I feel like I feel like they could have just made it what they're doing, make it smaller. But the price point to me is the the big the the, the bit that's like it just doesn't make any sense is why is this even a thing? Why is sixty dollars difference or seventy dollars difference? Yeah, this doesn't need to be out there at all. It's no. such a strange decision by then. If it was, like I said, two hundred bucks, yeah, yeah, maybe. Like then, there's some appeal there because it's missing a lot of those features the main one has. But it's missing way too many features the main one has for it to be seventy dollars difference. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I don't, I don't understand the thinking behind this at all. Like, you've got, man, it's just so strange. You've got people like Xbox who are, um, this play anywhere stuff. You can, you can buy a game on your Xbox and you can play it on your PC, like a first party game. Or, like, they're going in a direction of, you can buy a game once and you can play it on multiple devices. And they're trying to, like, do this whole thing where, it like it doesn't matter, you know, if you want to play it on your Xbox One, if you want to play it on your, sorry, Xbox One X, if you want to play it on your PC, 
if you want to play it on whatever the next Xbox is going to be. Like, they're just going, like, if you own the game, you can play it. Whereas Nintendo's like, oh, no, we're going to have a different skew, but we're removing all these features from it. Like, they're trying to make it harder for you to play the fucking same games. Um, yeah, it just doesn't make any any sense for me. Like, like why is there not uh, some sort of streaming thing? Like, um, n- n- uh, Xbox has the the ability, and the PlayStation have the ability to stream off your console to yeah. your whatever your TV, your computer. All right, there's no your dock. Phone. Yeah, your phone. Like, all right, there's no dock. Yeah. Why? Why can't I stream into my TV using whatever? Like, yeah. if that was a feature on there, okay, maybe let's talk. We'll, I'll come to the table with you, Nintendo. But that's not there, as far as I'm aware. I um, I didn't look at it much <laughs> when they announced it. But like, there's a solution that they have completely missed that everybody else is doing. It's um. Yeah, I just don't. I don't understand the thinking behind this. It's really strange to me. All right, what else we got here? Uh, speaking of Nintendo, huge fucking errors. Doctor Mario World is out on Android and iOS. Yes, and it is a shameless cash grab where you can buy, you can pay fifty dollars to play for unlimited amounts, of, uh, an unlimited amount of levels for sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, five dollars for sixty minutes. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck that shit. I just wanted to add that while we're sinking the boots yeah. in the Nintendo. That's just garbage. Uh, I guess not enough. Not enough people forked out ten bucks for Super Mario Run or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Um. So they're going down this direction, I guess. Uh. Yeah, it's using the the classic energy system. Um. Yeah, I am going to install it right now. Cool. So that I can be informed, of course, and uh, poop on them properly. Yeah. Solid. Uh, what else we got? Starcraft cartooned. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I but, did uh, see this. It's yeah. Sick. I like it a lot. Uh, they basically released a a texture pack, uh, which retextures every single fucking skin uh, in StarCraft um, and makes it cartoony. Uh, it's in the style of... I think it's like a popular YouTube series. Okay. Uh, the beloved art style of Carbo Animations or Carbot Animations. I'm not sure. Um, and yeah... Uh, I actually think it makes it look super distinct, like super fucking visually distinct. Uh, it does everything in the game. It does like the menus, the maps, the missions, uh, the units, everything. Like it's all, and you can, yeah, play every single version of the game with it. Uh, obviously it's, uh, for the, what do you have to buy it separate? I'm, a f- I'm, I'm, f- hang on. I thought it was just a fucking reskin. I, I'm no longer that wild about it. <laughs> fucking Jesus. That's, that's amazing. It's $15 to buy this. <laughs> uh, it is StarCraft 1. Um, I thought it was for StarCraft Remastered. I thought it was just a free skin. That's amazing. Well, anyway, it does look very cute. 
and very visually distinct <laughs> plots. But fuck yeah. But not for $15. <laughs> That's insanity. Uh, cool. All right. That's why I should read the entire press release. Um, anyway, what else we got? Uh, G2A attempts to improve their image and fails in a hilarious fashion. Uh, did you say this? Been, yes, I did. You go. You tell us. <laughs> so uh, G2A is a, uh, a r- online CD key store mm. um, that has a lot of flack from, in particular, yeah, developers from the way that they are. Basically, it seems like they they purchase stolen keys or like people that are able to purchase stolen keys using things like fake credit cards and then sell them on their store. Mm. Um, and so they're, they're basically trying to say, no, no, that's not like a thing that happens on our store. It's legitimate, all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and they're trying or attempting to improve their image. Like, hey, here's the actual truths about it and whatnot. And the way they're going about doing this, they've been hitting up um, websites and saying, we've got a pitch for you. Um, we want to improve our image. Here's an article that we've written. Can you post this, but don't mention that we've written it or mm. that it's from us, <laughs> which is fucking crazy. It's bananas. It is, yeah. Like, we're, we're an ethical company. Here's us doing something wildly unethical. Yeah. It's so fucking crazy. I cannot understand uh, how they would do this. Uh, yeah. Fucking hell. They, um, they've come out and said it was basically um, sent out by an employee of theirs without their, like, authorization. Yeah. Um, and that it's not acceptable from them. Yeah. But, uh... Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> that is... It is crazy. Like, not... Like, f- here's a promoted article, but just don't disclose that we've written it for you. And that we've also, uh... And that it's got anything to do with us. Thank you. <laughs> I cannot believe... Yeah. Woof. They must have sent it out to a bunch of people as well. Uh, nine... Yeah, Kotaku reported nine media outlets. Yeah, right. That's fucking crazy. Oof, man. Jesus Christ. I have thankfully never bought anything from that site. Yeah. Despite them being quite cheap. Uh, Fuck that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck that. Hmm. Uh, Cool. Well, yeah. Fuck G2A. And that's, that's the news of the world. There's one more. What are you doing? You fucking... Oh, because you Lord keep jumping Rings. all over the fucking place with this new stuff. Just go in order. It's not that hard. Lord of the Rings MMO is being developed by Amazon Games. Uh, so it's not just Amazon Games. It's also Athlon Games, which is owned by Layu, uh, which is a multimedia conglomerate who own, I believe, Splash Damage, is it? And another company, another shooter company. But Athlon has nothing to do with that uh athlon announced this last year uh that they were partnering with an at the time unnamed development studio it is now being revealed that it's amazon game studios um yeah it's going to be a free-to-play uh pc and console based 
um, Lord of the Rings MMO. There was a Lord of the Rings MMO before. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Lotro. Remember that? Did you ever play Lotro? I didn't. I played it for like fucking half an hour. I didn't really get into it. I don't think I did. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to take away from it. Apparently, Leo owns Warframe. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they do have Digital Extremes, then, is the other company that Leo owns. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they've got, they're able to share some resources and some teachings from that. Oh, it's cool. I want to play fucking, I want to play a lot of the Rings MMO. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd check it out. I'd be about it. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. I have no thoughts because they haven't shown anything. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, all right. That's the news of the world. That is the news for this week. Uh, yep. Have we got any questions? Bye. I'm going to buy a NAS this week. Right. Uh, this weekend. Um, I've been looking into it. Looks like I'm going to grab a DS, a Synology DS418. Uh, and I'll tell you what, buying a NAS is pretty boring. Mm. Um, it's, it's a lot of, like, all the comparisons are like, this one has two bays. This one has four bays. Otherwise, it does nothing of much interest. Yeah. So, yeah, it's basically just... It's a shell. It's a shell for some giant hard drives. Anyway, we do have questions. Uh, July... F- yep, that's correct. That is the date, you moron. Uh, Drew Money, Dr. E3 Money writes, What about in Underlords if your attacks matter as well as your defense? So if your attack wins, loses, you are rewarded, punished as well. Maybe this is part of the turbo mode. So you get five gold for successful attack, five for a successful defense, and bonus for win streaks on both fronts. Maybe be able to see both boards at the same time, the attack in a window or something. There is your double gold and double damage. Uh, experience effectively doubled as well. Thoughts? Luke, thoughts? Um, I like the I idea think there's just too much window, to look at. Like picture in picture. Yeah. I like the idea of picture in picture. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, it'd be an interesting... I don't think they utilize all the screen space all that well in Underlords as it is. Um, but then again, there's so much of the fucking Underlords UI that I don't apparently never fucking notice anyway. So yeah. maybe I'm not the best... Might already be in there. Yeah, might, might actually already exist. <laughs> um, I think this is a, that, that would be an interesting way to like go about changing things up until they add in proper head to head. Yeah. Um, yeah. But until then, um, yeah. I feel like uh, it just adds more into the game that is just unnecessary. Like already there's just so much shit you can look at. As an idea for turbo mode, I reckon it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you could just do the head-to-head thing and just double the goal and experience just off the bat. It's true. That is true. Um, anyway, good question, Drew. Thanks for writing in. Mm. Uh, write us questions. Send me an email. Uh, don't tell me which NAS, NAS to buy because I'll have already fucking bought it by before <laughs> it's fucking... It's, it's already gone. It's, it's happening. I'm fucking in the process. It's going to be like... Yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about getting like waiting until Raspberry Pi four came out and building something out of that. Yeah, but then I would that would require effort. Like it's yeah, 
I could spend an entire weekend putting that together. Or I could buy a NAS and spend half a day setting it up. Mm. Probably easier. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, good stuff. All right. That's it. That's the show. Nice short one this week. Um, mm. We're going to chuck an extra bonus section on the, the back of this one. Yeah. So you're like, what the fuck? This episode says it's four hours long, but you're only talking for an hour and 40 minutes. Yep. What is this This craziness? Uh, we have a surprise for everybody. Yeah. Nathan, Mr. Nacho's Justice, is going to talk about E3 and everything that he saw about E3 for about two hours. It, it is a, a giant short. chunk. Uh, yeah, it's short It's short <laughs> by Nathan's standards. Yeah. Uh, but it is an extra heaping of bonus awesome for all you listeners, uh, courtesy of Mr. Nathan Nacho's Justice, which is pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, it's, it's straight up his thoughts, like his unfiltered thoughts on E3. It was his first E3, yep. um, which is cool. And yeah, everything he saw. Uh, and I believe it is everything he saw. Yeah. Like, literally everything. Uh, so, yeah. Check it out. It's Don't good. turn off. Don't, like, switch off the fucking show. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's less of us on there, but it's got him. So that's all yeah. right. Yeah. It's, like, it's all good. Uh, all right. Um, so that's coming up after this bit, but you stick around and he'll start yapping on. He's got a bit of a sore throat, or he's, he was sick, I think, when he recorded he was this. He sick. He was sick as a dog, yeah. Um, so hopefully it, it's it's fine. I've listened to about an hour of it so far. I haven't finished it yet, but it's good. Mm. It's good. All right, so if you want to find The Gap, you can find us on iTunes, Android, Windows Store, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere, all those places. Under The Gap, The GA Podcast, uh, you can search for us. Please rate and review the show if you can. Helps other people find this show. We appreciate everyone that does that. And uh, if you want to send us questions, you can email us, thegapodcast at gmail.com. You can jump onto our Discord page, thegapodcast.com slash Discord. Joe loves the messages. Send him messages. Just message him all day, every day. Well, like, let's not go too far. Do it. Um, play some games in there. We got some, we've had some Underlords. We've had some Apex. We've had some, I think that's PUBG. No, we're not. We're not playing PUBG. My bad. I, I killed the I'm channel. Sorry. It's dead. I apologize. You jump in there. It's good fun. Um, you can also find us on social media, facebook.com slash GA podcast, twitter.com slash GA podcast. You can watch this show on YouTube, gapodcast.com slash YouTube. And our website, the gapodcast.com has links to everything we just talked about, including our previous episodes of this show. If you want to go back and check out what we were doing last week, you sure can do that. And that's all thanks to our Patreon members who helped support the website and the servers and everything that we do on here if you want to help support the show you can go to patreon.com slash ga podcast and become a member and thank you to the people that do that every month thank you you're the best and i think that is it anything you've got going on this week that you'd like to talk about no no sames i'm also sames um i'm not here next week i'm going to be playing a secret game that i can't talk about yet and i won't be able to talk about for a while um, cool. But we'll be back. Uh, we might have to record on Friday sometime if we can do that. Okay. Um, so it might be a little bit later than usual. But otherwise, I think we'll both be back next week. Yeah. Otherwise, here's Nate talking about E3. Hi, Nate. Hello and welcome to a Nachos only special edition of The Gap for E3. Uh, the gents at The Gap have kindly... Let me uh, have a big solo rant 
about everything that I saw at E3. Um, and uh, that's what I'm going to do now. My voice is slightly different because I've uh, been having some back-to-back big nights, but uh, the hope is that it makes me sound sexier. Anyways, um, I went to E3 as a guest of Bethesda, and I'll start with their games, but before I get to that, <clears throat> Job asked me to do a little bit of a, you know, what was the experience like, and I guess like before E3 starts is really when the, you know, the madness begins, to be honest, for me, uh, getting my schedule down pat was was tricky. Uh, we were dealing with a time difference, you know, whether you're dealing with local PR or you're dealing with international PR, certain uh, publishers were fantastic and, you know, I think they had access to systems that allowed them to lock things in without having to, you know, leave a note to lock something in and then the US team would then approve or <clears throat> or not allow, um, which happened a bit uh, where it'd be like, yep, you're locked in for this session and then next morning you'd have an email going, nope, can you pick another time? So there was quite a bit of, uh, of schedule juggling, particularly because I wanted to achieve the impossible, which was to do as much back-to-back-to-back as possible, um, running around between appointments, between different halls, and even leaving the convention center and then coming back. I wasn't always able to uh, like stay for everything for the full time. Sometimes I had to leave five minutes early to you know to basically run outside to, to get somewhere else. And <clears throat> other times when I was at outside appointments, I had to allow extra time to come back because you had to re-go through security and they check your ID and these people were really bad at reading IDs apparently at least this one guy who just kept he'd read my name and go yep okay you're good go through and then he'd go wait and check it again I think that happened two or three times with the same guy um bit bizarre I'm sure he was checking lots of people but not the best when you've got to then dash up some stairs put all your stuff through security have your ID checked again and then you know basically jog to whatever appointment is next um most appointments were about half an hour uh the hour ones usually were about 50 minutes which is great but the half hour ones tended to be pretty bang on close to to half hour so it was really a case of picking how much uh do i need to see this game how much do i need to see this game for my clients versus how much do i just want to see this game for me so maybe i have to leave a little bit earlier to um accommodate that but you know what? I'm happy to say that everything that I put in my schedule, I got to see, with the exception of one, Joby, uh, which was supposed to be a back-to-back appointment for WRC 8 and B Simulator, which are, you know, prime for my K-Zone Kids magazine writing. Uh, I got to play WRC 8, but the station was taken for B Simulator, and therefore I was unable to play it, and, you know, didn't have that enough time left to wait. So I left. So... <clears throat> only one. But I did manage to uh, carve out time and turn hour sessions into half-hour sessions or to sometimes to 15-minute sessions. Uh, I don't know why they blocked off an hour for certain games, but I was then able to get onto the show floor and actually play more uh, games than what I had originally intended. So let's jump into it with uh, Bethesda. Uh, they showed off some expected stuff, you know, Doom Eternal, uh, Wolfenstein Youngblood in particular. There was a eating of Humble Pie for Fallout 76. Now, I never really got into Fallout 76 outside the, the beta. I <clears throat> personally just didn't think it was tracking too well. My, you might call it jaded, but my take was that Fallout games, the solo ones, tend to launch 
in in a state that kind of needs bugs ironed out over the course of however many patches before they like can reach that true greatness without your immersion being destroyed by you know a crash or whatever problem happens so i thought that plus online i'm like this is this is risky and you know there was concerns at the beta stage so when it came to release and i was talking to buddies who were playing it i was like you know what i'm gonna wait because you know it's a live service and you hope that down the track they are going to fix it now for anyone who watched the the bethesda conference they would have seen that fallout 76 uh has made some pretty big pledges it had an unexpected um battle royale mode that's coming to it which i mean i'll, I'll give that a cracker my my off the top of my head and from what i've seen in the videos it sounds like it's um it's pretty imbalanced in terms of just, you know, overpowered abilities and, and perks and whatnot. I saw a, a video of a guy with a grenade launcher that he was kind of jump strafing to use over cover and then to get the final kill he used invisibility, like an invisibility perk that wasn't like, didn't seem to be predator invisibility, you know, where you can still see that outline. It looked like it was actual just <clears throat> full invisibility and he kind of toyed with the last last kill before finishing him off um firing his weapon didn't even seem to take him out of invisibility invincibility visibility rather so yeah that uh you know i mean it could be good for a laugh especially if you get the right drops but i guess i'm less interested in getting a battle royale experience from fallout 76 as much as i am them taking it closer to what you'd expect from a fallout game and you know the big announcement of the inclusion of human npcs which are coming later this year uh, this is absolutely a step in the right direction, and I had a big chat with a couple of the devs, and, you know, it sounds like it's, it's heading to a place where it's one of those games where I'm actually really looking forward to playing it once that content drops. Uh, as for Doom Eternal, it's fantastic. Like, I'm in one word. Uh, and that's coming from someone who felt that Doom 2016, I want to say, was, um, was okay. You know, like, the core gameplay loop of the shooting felt really good. But I found that I kind of wasn't getting um, the enjoyment out of it when I was playing in longer bursts, and that I found the most sort of fun I was having was when I was playing it in 30 to 60 minute bursts as opposed to like three to you know four hour sessions where I felt it got quite uh, repetitive. And you know, like the, the formula of run into a room or the doors shut, clear all the demons before you can move on. I felt like it was, you know, it was a good start. But there was definitely room for improvement. Uh, the multiplayer, well, the less said about that, the better. But you know, uh, id software has acknowledged that the multiplayer is not uh what they wanted it to be and so it's been scrapped for doom eternal when they're doing their uh you know doom slayer versus two demons thing which you know is really interesting didn't get to play it uh, but i did get to play doom eternal solo for about an hour and uh, <laughs> it's really satisfying like the <clears throat> ways they're built on the combat loop particularly coming out of rage 2 which uh I felt like Rage 2 had better shooting than Doom 2016, but it, it was clear that they had taken a lot of inspiration from Doom 2016, so they kind of built on that logic and that core shooting gameplay loop of Rage 2 was really, really solid. Um, so Doom Eternal, you know, kind of going, okay, we're going to one-up it again, uh, feels fantastic. I'm actually really worried for anyone who's going to be playing it on a controller, because even keyboard and mouse, you know, like, it was tough. Apparently it was fixed on normal difficulty and in my interview with a couple of the devs they mentioned that they'd lowered the difficulty somewhat so it's definitely got a fantastic sense of speed and for any old school doom or quake fans who love that kind of twitch shooter mentality um it's yeah it's really good and they've, they've kind of mixed up the um 
there's a lot more demon enemy types, which is great because there's no one weapon solution for all of them. Certain ones are definitely there to be squishy and to be killed in certain ways that uh, allow you to get um, back things like health, armor, and ammunition. In fact, there are specific things you do to them now to get that from them. So if you chainsaw them, uh, you get ammunition from the top of my head. If you flame them or grenade them, you get armor. And if you glory kill them, you get health. So you're really kind of like thinking about all of these different things while you're trying to crowd control uh, a lot of demons. And then certain ones, you know, you think that you can hit them with a rocket launcher, but they dodge or they throw up a shield. So you get the splash damage in your face. And that, that rocket launcher is very Quake 2 for me. Um, which, you know, is... Depending on how much you love your Quake rocket launchers, I think Quake 2's rocket launcher was my least favorite. Um, just because it was slow. But this is slow and super powerful, so you really feel that sense of risk-reward, and it feels kind of really different to the other weapons, which feel a lot faster. I mean, outside of the super shotgun, which is a glass cannon, like, you know, fire it once and then you're super exposed. Uh, but the under-slung grappling hook to get you in closer is a fantastic touch and, and a good way to get breathing space between you and the um, stacks of demons that are inevitably chasing you around. So I'm very excited uh, to play more of that and in, and they've kind of promised that you know uh as you get closer to the end it's not going to be like you've seen all your enemy types and all that sort of stuff so it feels like they've really thought about the idea of keeping it as fresh as possible but also making sure that you the player um feel empowered at all times and and the player that has the ability to switch weapons on the fly and i think they, the analogy they used was it was like speed chess um, and it really does feel like you're having to make these tactical decisions. And the sound design was particularly impressive because I've got the UI, the HUD, um, but it's a bit busy to try to keep a, a track of everything as well as what's going on in front of you. So the, the sound design that's letting you know that certain you know abilities are back up or you've taken a hell of a lot of damage so you don't really have to glance down at your health um, is on point and is the kind of stuff that you would need to feel that when you die, you know, it's it's because of you and not because of... The game not giving you proper damage feedback or something like that. Um, as part of that session, I also got to play Wolfenstein Youngblood uh, cooperatively, and it's a lot of fun, honestly. I'm a big fan of the, the Machine Games Wolfenstein series uh, so far. I didn't like the Old Blood so much. I know that's apparently a controversial opinion. Um, I just felt that it was a step backwards. I mean, I know it was a prequel, but it was a step backwards in terms of its gameplay uh, from The New Order, and while the new Colossus, I did not enjoy as much as uh, the new Order, mainly because like there was a whole lot more storytelling, and and I don't think that the gameplay loop necessarily was like beefed up in a meaningful way. Although I did enjoy the story for the most part, there were some particularly um, good in-your-face twist moments that are, are very satisfying. Um, but it had kind of a sudden ending, and anyways, Wolfenstein Youngblood has. Um, BJ and Anya's twin daughters um, playing the two leads, which means that it's a time jump of 20 years, which for, you know, kind of uh, Wolfenstein lore fans, L-O-R-E fans, it's uh, going to be some fun speculation. I tried to, in my interview, get like a little bit of information about whether the time jump will impact where Wolfenstein 3 is set, because this is not a core Wolfenstein uh, game. This is a spin-off. They were very clear about that. And saying that, uh, the guy said that there's more gameplay here than the new order which is which is great and it's a it's a game that i've always felt since the even the new order that it would have been benefited by co-op but they've completely designed the levels with co-op in mind you know 
um, feels like there's more pathways. It feels like the levels are wider to allow for, you know, two of you to flank around. It's added health bars, which some people are finding, I guess, controversial, but it was a little bit jarring at first, but then when you come up against certain enemy types where you're hitting them, but they're not taking damage because they're stupidly heavily armored and maybe you're using a lower caliber weapon. I'm not sure if that's exactly how it worked, but it's felt like that's how it works. So you've got to kind of play bait and chip away at them and then hope that your buddy gets around behind them to hit him in the weak spot. I found that was like, okay, I get why they've why potentially done this to, um, to give you that feedback, to let you know that you're being ineffective um, up front and the enemies do seem to take quite a few shots to go down even the, the regular grunts so you're rewarded for your headshots and uh, getting up and close and personal with your shotguns and the new weapons feel great and the deeper upgrade system though I didn't get to go too far into it sounds like it um, adds kind of like a great level of gameplay versatility uh, I did a boss fight and it was you know it was tricky uh, and it was built with with co-op in mind and uh, yeah we, we running laps around this particular enemy and you know getting each other up and dealing with ads and stuff like that um had a lot of fun so i'm really looking forward to that when it comes out um later in july i also got to play wolfenstein Cyberpilot, which is the vr um thing which is about you know like a hacker who hacks into different nazi machines and you know causes carnage now i basically got to play similar well it was the same uh robot it was like one of those big mech things that has rocket launchers and machine guns and it really did feel like like a power fantasy moment more than because the enemies seem to be very ineffective uh since i last played it at QuakeCon, they've added in the ability to repair and there was something else a shield yeah so there's a little bit more to do than just like switching between rockets and machine guns and mowing down waves and waves of nazis the ai doesn't seem to be that great um i'm hoping there's a little bit more diversity in that but it's i think it's only intended as like kind of like a three hour experience start to finish albeit with incentives to replay um so yeah i mean i I don't really have a vr headset so i'm not going to be playing it it was way less my jam than uh young blood uh what else have i got here oh commander keen commander keen is coming out uh, back again i was very excited when this was announced because commander keen is one of my earliest uh gaming memories alongside was it dangerous dave or something in the haunted house i don't know i can't remember the name of it which is really bad but that kind of side scroller action experience and commander keen was one that got a lot of play um in my household growing up and my first id game before you know wolfenstein came on wolf 3d that is and and blew my mind and my brother's minds. Uh, so yeah, I was really excited, but Commander Keen is kind of, it's different now. Like it's not the platform. I thought they'd go for the platformer um, when they said, hey, Commander Keen's coming back. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is perfect. I mean, it's a mobile game. It's uh, platformers which have uh, fewer input requirements than your average mobile game, or, or if you're converting something to a mobile game, it makes sense to do platformers, I think, um, over other genres. And uh, it turns out it's this, I don't know, like a card game, hybrid, real time, but like it looks like it's turn-based, but it's not. It's actually, it actually seems to be played out in real time. It's going to have a story. Uh, apparently it's canon, which is very interesting because when, during my interview, the, the lady that I spoke to said that um, she knows who Commander Keen's mother is, which if you follow your idverse uh, connected universes stuff... BJ is the grandfather, if I'm recalling correctly, of Commander Keen, and Commander Keen is either the father or the grandfather of Doomguy, depending on who you talk to. 
So for anyone who's, you know, big on that Doom lore, or that id lore, I should, I should say, because the Doom lore, I understand, has become massive now since Doom 2016. I mean, it was obviously big before, but they keep putting in more and more stuff, and Doom Eternal said to push that um, it's it's interesting that they're really thinking about that and that they're not they're not saying hey this is a spin-off this is its own thing they're like no this is connected so for people who care about that i think that's pretty cool uh i didn't get to play it um i'm not you know it's like i said i was a bit disappointed that it wasn't the platformer but i'm going to reserve judgment until i've played it uh it doesn't really seem to be the kind of game like the gameplay uh that will grab me but i'm always you know i know the the Gap guys, other Gap guys have talked about it, how you're always on the lookout for a new mobile game, and certainly Fallout Shelter captured my attention in a way that, um, well, not no other mobile game, because Plants vs. Zombies 2, um, I've put in like 40 hours to that game, and I come back to it probably every 6 to 12 months to see what they've added, and um, I find it really satisfying, and I tend to play it and, you know, um, in bursts, and then it stays installed, and I come back to it. Fallout Shelter, I wasn't particularly excuse me, in love with when it launched, but I reinstalled it six or 12 months later and I, I found it really satisfying. I think I've played it two or three times uh, since then. But um, yeah, so it, like, again, always on the lookout for a new game, always want to be, you know, like, oh, it doesn't really look for me, but I'm going to try it because, you know, I love Commander Keen, so why wouldn't I try it? Uh, but the one that definitely wasn't my jam and it was one that I played at QuakeCon last year and played again this year on switch is elder scrolls blades which is like primarily intended as a mobile game as far as i'm concerned as far as the core design is but it's playable on a number of platforms it's kind of cool that your progress can carry across uh different platforms it's free to play i don't really know too much about the monetization side but for me what i find to be like why i think like this is me making sense of why i don't connect with it because you know an elder scrolls fan i adored skyrim um and I, I feel like what it's missing is that depth, the translation of the depth. You know, I play an Elder Scrolls game for for a deep RPG experience, and this, out of the fact that it's been designed primarily or initially at least for mobile, means that it seems to kind of lack that. Whether that's in controller input and things like that, I just I just find that it's not giving me that satisfaction. But when you go to something like Fallout seventy six, where they've completely switched genres. Um, it still has that depth and decisions and things. It still feels like a Fallout game, but it still also feels like, kind of like, yeah, your decisions are being rewarded, and the more that you play, the more you level up. Um, the the risk-reward gameplay elements. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it really, it just made me want to go back and go, hey, I want to revisit Fallout 76, because I haven't played that in a while. Oh, not Fallout 76, sorry, what am I saying? Fallout Shelter, my bad. Um, yeah, but Elder Scrolls Blades, it's something that I want to be good, because, you know, a... Elder Scrolls game that you can play, like have in your pocket or play on your, your tablet, sounds great, but yeah, I just don't see it being the kind of game that captures my attention and I can sink dozens of hours into. Um, I'd much rather get into Fallout 76 or Elder Scrolls Online, which is something I've started to dabble in. Uh, I want to play more, especially because it's now gone into that Skyrim, you know, part, which is of, of great interest to me. So whatever i don't know I, I think i've got to give it a better chance but uh at this stage it i've played it twice and i mean i've only played it you know like briefly 10 to 15 minute sessions but i just haven't found like even though it's clearly improved from QuakeCon, i haven't found that i'm like yeah i really want to play more of this like it just didn't grab me uh the other games that weren't there but were announced were Deathloop, 
which, I mean, it's made by Arcane, the end. I have to play it. The CG trailer looks really cool. The premise sounds really cool. The idea of two warring assassins in some sort of, um, uh, what is that movie? All You Need Is Kill. It's not called that, though. It's called Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, it should have been called Live, Die, Repeat. But that idea of uh, if there was two Tom Cruises with, you know, goals that are at ends with each other and they can both reset every time they die. I'm really interested to, to hear more about that game and see how it plays out. I adored um, Prey and Dishonored, the series. I've actually got to go back and play Dishonored too because at launch and for a long time after launch, it wasn't optimized for... Um, the 900 series card that I had, so it would just, felt like it would just lose frames every time you stepped outside, it felt like a memory leak or something like that, but um, it's one of those games that I intend on going back to finishing, because I recently finished, I uh, went back and finished Evil Within 2, and I finished Rage 2, and I finished Wolfenstein 2, so I had these games installed that I had finished like 90% of, and I never just was like, nah, I'm not going to finish that, and it, it shat me, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go in and finish these, so... I guess uh, making it relevant to Ghostwire Tokyo, Evil Within 2, I thought for sure Evil Within 3 was going to be announced. But no, it's a new IP. Uh, it's, you know, I want to play it. I liked enough about Evil Within 2. I didn't really like Evil Within, the original. I felt like it was was too, you know, um, corridor-y, you know, and then they added bits like the... Call of Duty style, get on the minigun and shoot waves of enemies, which I don't think really fits in that survival horror genre at all. Evil Within 2, I think, started out really strong. That second level, which was the open approach town, and the the more comfortable you get, <clears throat> the more you realize that there's, you know, you can't just sneak everywhere. The erratic movement patterns of the enemies made it harder, and then there was that creepy ghost bride that would arrive every once in a while and, and stalk you which was terrifying especially because you had to manually save so I was I guess I was save scumming a bit but I was save scumming in the sense that I was you know planning my treks out to complete objectives based on how I could how likely I was to get back to a save point um to make sure that I didn't lose the progress I didn't want to get frustrated with it but I definitely appreciated the tension of and and that open approach I think I spent six or seven hours just on that second level um the more you got into the game it, it kind of went back to that sort of more linear corridor stuff uh there was one or two exceptions later in the game which I enjoyed the boss fights were particularly frustrating especially the flamethrower guy until you realized how um how easy it is <laughs> I won't tell you how. You've got to go through the frustration to figure it out. Uh, yeah, but I was making my life harder by trying to shoot him. Let's put it like that. Uh, so yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this new IP. But again, it was a, a CG trailer. So, you know, I, I want to know more. I want to see some gameplay. I want to want to have a deeper dive on it before I make a call. Now, this I'll move things to a chronological order now. Uh, first day I landed... At uh, E3 uh, was the Saturday before it all starts, which is actually when EA Play starts, so I was able to check into my hotel, but then there was this whole like fight with them because they took way too much money from my debit card, um, some of which is, is still coming back, but I really wanted a shower, so I was willing at the time to wear that. Anyways, it's going to be sorted, but um, basically got in at 7 o'clock, I think, to the hotel, had a shower... Um, and then it, I think EA Play started at 9.30 on the stream, so I fully intended on watching all the streams, but it got a bit, you know, not relevant towards the end, to be honest, and I wanted to 
make sure that I got there with plenty of time uh, to get in uh, to my first appointment, which was for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, now, what you saw on the live stream was a clipped version of what I saw in the BCD, but I was going to go on a deep dive on this, but there's no point because uh, just the other day, EA released the full uh, Kashyyyk level, which starts off with um, Cal, the main character, creeping up on some AT-ATs. So you've got that awesome God of War-style scope, which uh, Stig is like one of the main dudes behind it he's old school god of war uh so it was great to see that um and even though it was hands off you i was basically when i went into my interview with stig afterwards i was like man why didn't you show the full half hour uh he was saying that uh he said it was a challenge to even get the 15 minute clipped version i'm like oh really it's like yeah apparently there's this all this research into how long people pay attention for and it's something like three minutes and i'm like oh damn so i feel like the clipped version was not um the best representation of it i know people were saying it looks like funnily and, and you know repetitive and this sort of stuff um i think adding that extra bit at the start especially as a star wars nerd um so you see those prequel trilogy era uh drop ships or gunships rather fighting against tie fighters and massive nerdy moment for me which is uh which is great uh but i've heard from a couple of people who actually got to play it with a very select few who did that uh it feels great like the combat feels great and that's the main thing that's the main thing that you can't really translate right like how does the combat going to feel is this all the powers that you get um there is a a skill tree of powers that you can unlock so i'm hoping that that has some some depth and i'm hoping that has some some risk reward options and it's not one of those sort of far cry 3 style skill trees where you look at it from the start and you go oh my god there's only five things i want here out of the 30 or whatever it is and it's just going to be like I don't care after that and you finish the game with like 40 skill points because you just don't care about investing it into stuff to make the game easier you want to have more gameplay options but as a Star Wars fan I'm very excited for a full-fledged uh canon Star Wars story and yeah it's looking good it's looking good so I'm hoping fingers crossed that it's going to be fantastic I also got to play uh one of the new maps for Battlefield 5 anyone who watched the presentation saw they did a big thing on all the maps that were coming, all the content that's coming, the Pacific Theater is coming, which is, you know, fantastic. I think it should have been sooner, but, you know, whatever. Like, I think Battlefield Five is going to be one of those games, kind of like Rainbow Six Siege, that as long as they keep supporting it with content into the future, it will stay installed on my machine. Uh, and it'll be one of those things that I revisit. Now, it's a bit of a shame that Firestorm um, has not received the same level of love, but I feel like anyone who's left Battlefield Five because they're, like, they're sick of the same maps and the same guns uh dropping in probably what end of the year when there should be quite a few more things will be will be great so it'll be good to see that i feel like the player base will hang around a level that it's good enough to check in like to do your weeklies to unlock your weapons or if you're lazy like me and you can't be fucked uh you you check in the week after and you buy it with your company coin because i've got like 20 200 000 or something and it only cost 1700 for a new weapon although i do enjoy some of the challenges uh they've made them a bit better some of them are just like too focused on a mode or a play style that i'm just like you know what i don't want to grind on this i'm not going to have um have fun but this new map is kind of shaped like a like an l I believe off the top of my head, no, banana, shaped like a banana, that's what they said. It's an infantry focus, there are no tanks, there are no planes, which I love, because I feel like ever since like Battlefield 4, I want to say, was that the one that had close quarters, or was it 3? 
anyways, whichever one that was, like people were like, oh, you're going to make some infantry focused battlefield stuff. That's not going to feel great. You know, that's not, not what battlefield's about. Um, but I feel like the gunplay held up really well. Um, and people were sort of worried that it wouldn't be, you know, as good as COD or whatever. You can have your own thoughts on that. But uh, yeah, infantry focused maps are great. And I think a good uh, palette cleanser from the stupid maps like fucking Fiel where you've got infantry versus planes, which is the dumbest shit ever until they introduce proper stuff to take down the planes. Like it's just whoever designed that, like how did, how did that even get past approval? Like it's literally planes versus infantry where infantry don't have a chance outside of fixed AA things that like battlefield one or the flyboys learn the locations, they bomb the shit out of them. Yes, you can rebuild them, but they prioritize it and, they can get away from it pretty easily. If they keep going at you now, the flak at least does more damage, but when they turn tail and run and come at you from another unexpected angle, like, you're dead. Uh, so anyways, yeah. Infantry-focused map. Uh, I think it was made by Dice LA, but it was good. It felt good. I mean, I only got to play one round, top of the ladder, of course. Um, but, yeah, like, it... Uh, some good uh, choke points, contested choke points, albeit with flanking routes, where there's a bridge in the middle that was hotly contested and some different angles you can get to didn't feel like the grenade spam thing was a problem it always felt like you could have multiple approaches to the uh particular capture points and it was pretty easy to get around behind and back up so i'm looking forward to seeing that in the rotation i got to briefly play uh the new apex legends legend but the legend who had played before me was clearly sweatier than i am when it comes to games and had uh rebound the keys away from wsad it's honestly it's something that i've intended on doing for a long time but the the edsf thing it threw me and it threw me more when r wasn't reload and caps lock was reload and you know i wasn't playing with the, the best team not that i was the best at it but i got to briefly use the new abilities but you know not enough to really comment on it too much i think that um adding a defensively focused uh legend is is interesting an interesting step i'd like to see what it does to the meta but i don't know the aggro the meta seems to be way more aggro so I hope that, the, you know, it's tuned in such a way that it disrupts that, because that's what you want, right? You want the Rainbow Six Siege approach of disrupting metas for your live service games. At least that's what I think. Now, I played FIFA 20. I suck at FIFA games, uh, unless we're going back to OG, um, you know, we're talking Mega Drive <laughs> level ones where I just used to dominate. My brother, my eldest brother used to want to beat me up uh, because I figured out how to score you know, goals from halfway, and uh, I don't think he ever figured out how to do the like, curve curve kicks, like bent like Beckham. So yeah, it was pretty pretty satisfying. Plus, you could run away from the ref perpetually, and if you stood in the right spot when <laughs> the goalkeeper was trying to kick off, you'd headbutt it and you'd be able to boot it past them. None of these tactics were appreciated by my eldest brother, but that's fine. Um, I beat him all the time. Uh, FIFA 20, I played against someone. I would have preferred to play against the AI because I'm not very good, but I think they were trying to get a lot of people through. So I played against someone who was a lot better than me. Um, I think that what they talked about with the changes sounds good. It definitely felt like there were, you know, more opportunities in the one-on-one. The, the changes to the ball physics felt good. The addition of an aiming reticule, though, while I don't know how that will work on, you know, same console matchups because they'll see where you're kicking it or do you control the goalkeeper i don't know uh it felt good for people like me especially because there's that sweet point between like holding the the shoot button in particular for too long and uh not holding it enough so you get either this piss weak kick or you boot it off the back of the you know field and 
either way you'd feel terrible but like you know i had a few breaks and and didn't score ultimately because i was not great at it but it's also to be fair i mean this is pre-release version of the game it felt like there were still those easy goals you could get by you know angling it across the keeper uh which is something i like uh, if they're gonna do i wish wish they'd maybe even make it a bit more random or something so that it doesn't happen all the time because this guy definitely got a couple of goals um that way not ideal i didn't touch anything else at ea play so i didn't play madden uh, i didn't touch the sims content and we weren't allowed well we i mean i think it was influences only or game changes only is their term for um the anthem content so i was not allowed to touch that but would have been nice to see what sort of changes they're making even if we weren't allowed to talk about it uh but that brings us to, us to the end of the first day or day zero day negative one i don't know what you want to say um and then what sunday was there was the bethesda concert uh concert bethesda conference that i've already covered there was a microsoft conference which i'm not going to rattle off all the games there keanu reeves stole the show of course coming out um and talking about cyberpunk 2077 i've you know, I stood up, or basically the whole crowd stood up, like instinctively, as soon as he stepped on stage, it was it was awesome to see the reveal from the trailer, and then him to step onto uh, stage, but I think they left just enough breathing space between that and the console, new console stuff at the end, it would have been great to see Halo Infinite um, played like some gameplay rather than in-engine, although the in-engine stuff looks stunning, it looks like Tonally, they're trying to tell a story again, like a, a more meaningful story rather than whatever that fluff shit was in the last Halo game. I was not a fan of Halo 5's uh, story, solo, co-op. It was just not great. But the online stuff was, uh, except for War Warzone, I want to say, or whatever that you know big one was, which was like RNG crates to get tanks and stuff. And I had like a thousand mongoose or mongeese, whatever the thing is the little unarmed car uh no sorry quad bike but it was yeah super dissatisfying and it felt like they were really encouraging you to throw money at it which just you know it feels icky when it's random and it feels worse when you're paying full price for something and i think if they'd removed that and just gone back to a more traditional big scale mode uh that mode would have been great but yeah it was kind of ruined but the the regular mode didn't have any of that shit and it was fun and the esports focus mode uh which i always forget the name of was also good like a faster paced halo and it, it felt great at that um that high speed i'm really looking forward to playing it on pc when it releases but i'm slightly getting ahead of myself but uh new console news like as if they weren't going to announce it has some ssd in there especially after what sony announced earlier about the ps5 or whatever the fuck they're going to call it um i think that that's really good for gaming in general especially because consoles become excuse me lead platforms a lot of the time um and it means that they're making design sacrifices based on the hardware limitations of what's available on console so it means that you get things like you know uh slow walkie-talkie sections to hide loading that's happening in the background or elevators and blah 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 so i'm hoping that there's a big push towards not just like higher frame rates and obviously the higher um fidelity but more towards things like that like quality of life in terms of actually getting to play the game i recently finished um days gone but uh, it was a struggle because the first, I mean, just to get into the game, like it takes a minute to load the menu and then it takes a minute to load your save and it's just uh, not ideal. I mean, I, I've gone back to um, Darksiders 2 because I never finished it. I actually want to play Darksiders 3. So um, 
Darksiders 2 like loads the game and when you hit continue if that's what you want to do you don't want to fuck around with loading a certain save point it's just you're in the game like it's loaded the game world like why can't more things do that anyways frustrating uh they didn't really yeah they should have shown gameplay i think for something for anything uh just to show what it was capable of whether it was higher frame rates but it felt a lot like basically they were just doing what sony did with the we're not really going to do a massive deep dive on this we're just going to touch on some things but uh yeah well i guess we'll be learning more about that in for the next year and a half um i went and saw a a little peripheral that had me interested because it was a Effectively, it looked like a mouse with a joystick on the side, which made me feel like it was going to be aimed at first-person gamers, and they were very quick to say during the presentation that it was most definitely not at all aimed at uh, first-person shooter fans. In fact, it's it's called the Lexip PU94 Space Controller, and you're like, Space Controller, man, it's a mouse, what are you talking about? But we get away with it after the presentation for calling it a Space Controller, because it's designed to be a mouse meets a joystick effectively so you can actually it's kind of hard to describe but when you put your hand on the mouse you can like move the mouse um not like sliding it but actually move it on different axes like you would a joystick so you can play your space sim uh and you can control different things with that and then you've got the little thumbstick to control other functions so the intention is for something like elite dangerous or whatever other space sim you like to play is that it's freeing up uh your left hand for a lot of the keystroke stuff right but the right hand is able to control more than it normally would be able to. So when you, you know, your hardcore flight semi people, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they tend to use joystick, mouse, um, <clears throat> pedals and all that shit, but also keyboard. So you have to shift your hand between stuff and this mouse is specifically designed to to get rid of that. I don't know if it's as accurate or anything like that. In fact, I, I believe they're sending me a, a unit to play around with um, and I want to do that and, you know, give a more detailed report back. But... Uh, for that, for Space Sims, I'm like, okay, I can see where they're going for. And they also showed me a bit of like Anno, uh, the latest Anno again, 1800, which uh, was cool as well. Because, you know, you can move the camera and you can zoom in and out. You can set different functions and at, at a, um, like a hardware level, you go and fuck around with the software and it copies over your things to the mouse itself got your presets and whatnot but uh yeah like it was like okay again i can my biggest pet pet peeve about playing strategy games these days is that wsad isn't really doesn't really control the camera anymore it's used for functions and you kind of got to use the the um cursors of the keypad not so the cursors that's right arrows uh and then jump back between those two which is again you don't want to move your hands away yes you can rebind but default state is what i tend to stick to unless it's really bad and if it's got really bad default things i think that's bad as well uh but uh, they they also said it's not designed for hardcore RTS. It's designed for uh, city building games and more more chilled stuff. And so that sounds great. But honestly, I'm looking forward to testing it on some of my uh, favorite RTS games to see if if there's an edge and whether it's you know capable of doing that. Even though they've said that they're not you know targeting that market. I also want to see how it goes on on shooters, which I don't think it'll go as well on. But what was interesting was uh, instead of using teflon coating i believe it is which is um the average thing that's used for basically all your mice uh which deteriorates over time so the the hand feel as opposed to the mouth feel joby of the mouse uh starts to you know the performance deteriorates over time and you can't really as far as i'm aware you can't really upgrade it or whatever so what they've done is they've added these six ceramic half disc things on the bottom 
that apparently make it slide a lot better. Um, they said that they tested it out with a couple of pro teams just to see how it felt. Like this is pro shooter teams, as far as my understanding is aware, just because they wanted some feedback from some pros, and they both uh, got stuck on the idea of like how awesome it was, how good it felt at colliding. And so they've they've released this I don't know mouse upgrade pack that lets you what glue six things to the bottom of your mouse. I don't know if I want to try that on my main mouse. I might try it on another mouse, but. I'm very excited in the sense that, you know, mouse technology I don't think has really moved that far forward in recent years and people compete on DPI and all this stuff that's been the competing point for the longest time. Uh, wireless was the last big jump for me, the Logitech Wireless, which actually feels like a wired mouse. I use the G900. G903 is uh, out in the wild and I'm very interested in, although it just seems to be more incremental returns unless you want wireless charging, but I don't because I use a giant mouse mat, which you can apparently get around, but... Uh, it's more that medium-sized mouse mat, uh, but I prefer a lot of sensitivities. Anyways, rant, 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 rant. I'm interested to play more with the P94 Space Controller. I'm hoping that the ceramic things that they've got on the bottom, I'm hoping that they've painted it, patented it for starters, and I'm hoping that that starts to feed into other mice if it's as good as they say, but you know, I'll report back at a later date. Back to a little bit of Microsoft stuff, because I actually got to do some... Um, bcds behind closed doors which were i thought were intended as hands-off but actually both both became hands-on for minecraft dungeons and minecraft earth now dungeons is basically best described as babby's first diablo um it's for anyone who likes those style of games and wants to play them with the kids or wants to play like a family friendly version or just likes minecraft there's very little mining unless you're talking about mining loot <laughs> Uh, and there's very, there's no crafting, so it's definitely intended as that dungeon crawler action experience. I got to play it a bit, and it was fun. Like absolutely, I will play that, uh, especially because they've got procedurally generated um, biomes. So one to watch out for, especially for the Minecraft fans. As when Minecraft Earth is the uh, mobile version, it's an AR, like it's a Minecraft experience on one hand, but it's also an augmented reality. Um, well, via augmented reality, and the other part of it is sort of more like a Pokemon Go thing where you go out and you collect your resources and then you bring them back home and do your typical Minecraft thing where you you can actually build like that... Uh, what was it? HoloLens. That HoloLens presentation at E3 from a few years ago, which was fantastic. It was mind-blowing. Like They've taken that idea and they've, they've put it in the palm of your hand. My biggest concerns are like the phone I was using, the phone they provided, was, uh, was heating up quite a bit and battery life, I think, would... You definitely want a power bank, or you definitely wouldn't want to be playing this thing for too long, or you want to be playing it at home on charge. Um, and, you know, it's early version of the tech, so I'm sure it'll get better, but it was very impressive uh, for Minecraft fans. And you can, you know, bring your friends into your own world, and they can either just see it, like you can send it to them to show it off, uh, what you've built, or you can let them play with it, but then they can do permanent damage, and we were... You know, we got attacked by, like, zombie mob, and we were shooting arrows, and, like, they were launching fireworks, and smashing giant holes in this beautiful treehouse that they'd built. Uh, so, yeah, again, for Minecraft fans, that's awesome, and, and like I was saying earlier, for someone who's looking out for that kind of mobile phone experience to do what I'm out and about, I will definitely be keen to look at that more. Uh, this is, uh, I should have mentioned earlier, this is in order, I'm, I'm looking at a list of the games that I, I played, what I touched, seen, and talked about, well, as an interview about, and this is in order of when I touched them, so you'll probably see me jumping around 
a bit between um, publishers. But I got to play Control, which is Remedy Entertainment's new game. Now, I'm a massive Remedy Entertainment fan. I've loved Max Payne. I love Max Payne 2 more. Um, I was a big Alan Wake fan, even though that wasn't as good as Max Payne, in my opinion. And I've got to go back and finish Quantum whatever it was, of Solace, Quantum Leap, I don't know, I remember what it was called, I'm sorry, uh, but I've got to go back and finish that, because it's Remedy, and you know, I, I enjoyed what I played, um, but anyways, Control uh, looks to be like the best version of their kind of formula, like that mix of Max Payne's combat with um, little, little trappings of Alan Wake in terms of how you're supposed to um, interact with certain enemies or take down the shields and whatnot, and then you've got the the powers that they had in Quantum Break. Hey, there we go. I remembered. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I got to play well, I don't know, about 30 minutes of it um, on a on a PC with an RTX card. So I had ray tracing, and this is the best version of ray tracing that I have seen to date. It's not just that single thing, like, you know, Battlefield Five has reflections, reflections in glass, reflections in uh, puddles and things, which is impressive, to be honest. I've, I've seen it, and I'm, I think it's great. Uh, and the, the gains on the frame rate that they've managed to put in since launch is impressive. But this was like three or four different technologies playing uh, together. And, and for anyone who's got a 20-series card and can run it at 60 frames... Uh, wow, it's uh, it's pretty impressive and it's immersive. It's it's an optional extra, but yeah, I liked it. And the gunplay felt really good. The you know the mix of the powers, super organic and easy to pick up and play, and the the, the hints at this bigger, darker conspiracy story were definitely my jam. So I'm looking forward to playing more of that. After that, I played Iron Harvest, which is a uh, company Heroes fan, so it's like a diesel punk or whatever they call it, steampunk or version of Company of Heroes, effectively an alternative history where World War One played out differently. I think Tesla survived or something is the backstory. And it's, you can see, like playing it for a few minutes, you can see the Company of Heroes influence. You know, you've got the, the cover in particular for your troops. You've got limited um, troops that you can build, so it's not like... Oh, they've got 50 troops perfection, unless they're going for that, but they didn't seem to be. Uh, and you're capturing points of interest, although it didn't appear to have the control zones uh, and uh, the frontline things that they had in Company of Heroes 2. I don't know, I think it was in 1 as well, where you could cut off supplies. They didn't seem to go with that, which is fine. You know, you've got to do your own thing. But um, what was cool, what was very impressive, was that you can, on the fly, convert your... Uh, infantry unit so if you unlock certain um, pickups on the field or if you kill certain enemy types they will drop like they do in company heroes they'll drop equipment but instead of you kind of like converting or, or sorry partially converting some of your troops and then sending the others back or sending your troops out who've who you don't want around anymore but you want that pop cap back so you just send them out to die you can actually convert your units to something else so you convert your regular grunts to medics or to grenade launcher troops and it was really satisfying i've actually um been playing a little bit of the alpha since as well and i mean it's, it's pretty like limited in what's available but i'm like this is definitely one that i'm keen to play when it uh when it drops uh, i spent a bit of time with amd and they did a cpu and gpu rundown <laughs> 15 minutes per person they we flew through a bunch of stuff uh the big takeaways were that you know, it looks like it's, it's a stage again where AMD is um, able to compete on both fronts. Now, 
that was one that, what they showed me in terms of their presentation gains. It looks like they're actually, you know, finally being able to compete with Intel, which is good. Like it's better, better gains and things and some interesting technologies that are at play. Uh, and in terms of GPU stuff, they don't have RTX yet, uh, ray tracing, I should say. So that's an interesting one. And uh, I guess that's why they didn't talk about it, but they were showing again, according to their testing, uh, some small and some significant gains over comparable NVIDIA cards. So it's, I've always been, I mean, not always, I've been an Intel NVIDIA guy for the longest time because back in the day when I used to buy AMD stuff to keep things cheaper, you know, I got, I got burnt literally, you know, the, the age where they ran so hot that they would scold you or they would crash your computer. And since then, I moved to Intel NVIDIA, was happy to pay a bit more uh, for the reliability, and I, I've never had a problem since. But, you know, when it, when it gets back to that stage where they're competing on these sorts of gains, I'm like, you know what? I'm interested. Let's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see if I can get together an AMD build at some point um, and, and take it for a spin. Like, I would love nothing more than to be, like, to get rid of that old mentality, you know, the old age-old thing of, like, like in intel and nvidia have my loyalty because they haven't fucked me over as opposed to like well the competitors now in a state where they're beating you and if you're not competing with that then uh, what are we talking about like ray tracing i think is really impressive uh, and important but like for me competitive gaming is what i prefer more than the offline stuff and while i would appreciate the bells and whistles of a 20 series card or, or whatever comes next um i think uh fps gains uh are pretty important, particularly important, especially with the, you know, rise of competitive gaming, Battle Royale and things like that. Like more and more people are getting into online gaming and they're starting to see that, like, hey, 60 frames per second doesn't cut it. I want the more gains. So yeah, it's going to be interesting and, and good, I think, like for Intel and NVIDIA to have to step up their game instead of just kind of waltzing through the generations. Um, after that, I got to see a hands-off presentation of lego star wars the skywalker saga that is super super impressive like i honestly thought that they were going to take the earlier lego star wars games you know spruce them up a little bit uh, add in some more content and then just add in episodes eight and nine which i believe are the only two they haven't made a lego game out of not they've completely built this from scratch and it's got this amazing open world feel to certain parts of it you can play the things in any order which isn't unexpected but you can go and visit like certain planets at different times uh and if you visit during like episode four apparently episode six stuff won't be there like if you're on tatooine or something like that it like is a game that i'm genuinely excited about not just from a star wars nerd perspective i'm like this is impressive like you guys have gone above and beyond the call um i think it's not out until next year but I'm really, really keen to play it. The last Lego game that I 100%ed was Lego Indiana Jones, and that was however many years ago. Uh, and I think, for me, that was really the last time that a Lego game impressed me, because they were still doing new stuff. And now they've gone back and they've you know added a combo system to the combat, so it's less just button mashy, and you're supposed to, if you're playing as a Jedi, for instance, you're supposed to combo your force powers with your lightsaber swings and things, and then they've also added a better shooting system. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is like finally they've gone okay well let's do something different with the lego games uh really looking forward to playing that <coughs> excuse me wrc8 was next i'm not a big racing guy but you know um it felt pretty good like i like the idea of an off-road racing is is always fun or more fun for me um than racing on a tarmac which seems to be 
uh, pretty the samey over and over again. But for this, what I enjoyed about it was that uh, the better you do, the faster you do a lap in this particular scenario that I played, the um, the less likely you are to hit the rain. So, for instance, the, the guy laid it out for me. He said, like, if you get around this first part really fast, you're going to get to the end and the rain will have just started. But if you're slower, if you're crashing and, you know, stuffing up your corners and things like that, uh, not doing it at a great speed, you're going to get the rain much earlier and that's going to impact the performance of your car. And that's exactly what happened to me. I'm not a big racing guy and, you know, the old overcorrect, uh, the physics on the cars feel pretty, pretty fair to be honest. Uh, so yeah, for racing fans, and I'm not one of them, uh, that is definitely one to keep an eye out for. I had a quick stop by with uh, Turtle Beach and Rocat. Rocat? Rocat? I don't know how to say that. I probably should. Uh, they have joined forces. Turtle Beach has bought Rocat, which is not exactly the newest of news, but they were said they were still trying to figure out who's handling what and who you talk to. So um, they didn't really have anything super new to show off per se, but, uh, I'm, as a, like I was touching on earlier with my NVIDIA Intel thing, like I've been a Logitech, uh, fan for the longest time. And, and the main reason I've been a Logitech fan is because they just haven't screwed me over. Like the stuff has always worked well and performed well, but I'm always open to trying new things. Uh, oh, I'm less Logitech when it comes to headsets these days. I'm, what am I? I'm drawing a blank. But whatever it is, it's good. Anyways, I'm always open to trying new things, especially when it comes to comfort for headsets. I think that's really important for long play sessions. Um, and the keyboard and my stuff that Rocket is doing, I'm like, okay, it's pretty interesting. So I'm definitely keen to, to take some of their stuff for a spin. But this was just sort of more like, hey, check in and have a look at our, our stuff that we released recently more than anything else. After that, I went to a uh, presentation of The Outer Worlds. Now, that's Fallout New Vegas in space, basically. And uh, depending on how much you like Fallout New Vegas and how much you like Obsidian games will depend on how excited you are for this. I think it looks great. Like, I was a big fan of Fallout New Vegas and returning back to the earlier point I made in, right at the beginning of this rant. Uh, I didn't like how buggy it was. In fact, I put in, you know, 20 hours maybe and then had the intention of coming back once they'd patched it and then classic me never did. Um, I've heard that it's been community patched to an amazing point. Um, and if I had time, I'd say I'd go back to it. But you know, if I'm being honest, I'm probably not going to go back to Fallout New Vegas, but I will uh, take the Outer Worlds for a spin. It looks great. It's literally that. Fallout New Vegas in space with some, you know, some new stuff and some more... Uh, uh, like gameplay additions and things like that, but the you know the level of player freedom and, and choice uh, and role play your own way. I'm like, yeah, this is definitely my jam. I cannot wait to get my hands on with that. After that, I got to take ukulele in the Impossible Lair for a spin. Anyone who played the ukulele was like that kind of third person um, platformer thing, very much in the vein of the old, you know, like Donkey Kong and things like that. It was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I enjoyed it, except for the the ranting, like instead of dialogue, oh, I think they eventually added the option to turn it off or to skip it, but it was painful, uh, but the gameplay was fantastic. Now, for The Impossible Lair, they haven't made a, you know, Rigidage sequel as much as they've uh, just made kind of like a spin-off, I guess, set in the same universe, obviously, with Yuka, Yuka and Laylee, but it's a... Uh, to 1.5, no, 2.5D side-scrolling platformer, it, very much in the vein of the old Donkey Kong um, style of gameplay. I think even there's an ex-Donkey Kong 
dev will lead on it, which makes a lot of sense because that's exactly how it feels. Now, what's cool about it is it has a mix of those levels as the main gameplay, gameplay and then it's got a um, an overworld, uh, sort of like the old school uh, Zelda, or Link's Awakening specifically I'm thinking of here, where you can go and explore and unlock new things. Um, the cool point of difference is that every level you play, you can go and do this thing to it later that changes it like it might put it on its head or it might flood it and it changes the way it plays the other really cool thing is the impossible lair in the title is this um final mission or this final run where you i don't think you have you've got a certain amount of spare lives if you've played through the main game but you can actually try to tackle it straight away the chances are you're going to get your ass kicked uh so i'm looking forward to trying it initially out of the gate and probably failing it but seeing you know those youtube videos of someone just playing it for the first time and just smashing their way through it i think that's gonna be fun i did spend some time with nvidia but to be honest they uh have embargoed me until further notice there are certain things i can talk about but i'm not sure about the things that i can't um what i will mention is that we had a deeper dive on the control technology there which i'd previously played and experienced but they went into a lot more depth about it and showed off some stuff that was particularly impressive which i really enjoyed and and in my conversations with uh one of the guys who was demoing stuff we got to talking about um the new generation of consoles and obviously they're being built on amd architecture and it was interesting that uh, I think both Sony and Microsoft have made mention of ray tracing, uh, but it was the opinion of this in the know chap that it could only really be software level ray tracing because AMD doesn't yet have it unless they've for some reason not included that in their new line of cards, uh, AMD I mean, uh, for whatever reason. It, it, it appears that it will be a software level, which I guess is okay. I think it's the similar to what you can do on your 10 series or certain compatible um, cards if you don't have an RTX card. Like me, I have a 1080 Ti, and I think there's certain games I can play on the lowest possible level of ray tracing, which I don't think really is worth it. But you don't really get to see those jaw-dropping, uh, amazing technology stuff at play. So that's interesting. Um, and I guess that's something that will be talked more about in the future and as people who are more knowledgeable with that kind of stuff like digital foundry uh tear it apart it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of that next up was uh one that joby is very excited about and i'm very excited about it's man eater it's uh shark pg they call it and they describe it as gta as a shark um and i i get where they're going from but like you play as a shark and you upgrade the shark and it's less about you know jacking people's boats and driving it around as a shark although i would play that game and it's more about yeah you uh, munching on different things and people and evolving your shark in different ways to be able to better attack uh you know whether it's the evolved creatures which is like these bigger tougher enemies and the more you eat in their area the more it entices them to want to come out and have a crack at you so I really like the idea of that, but it was a hands-off presentation, and uh, it looks like a lot of fun. It has um, Dr. Spaceman, I'm blanking on his name, I'm so sorry, also the voice of Cyril Figgis in Archer. Um, he does the voiceover for the game, and it's like this amazing tongue-in-cheek, uh, partially informative, partially piss-take stuff that just makes you like sets the tone for this game which is to be hilarious and to be entertaining unless about you know some sort of soldier of fortune level gore physics when you're smashing people you're ripping them to shreds and it's definitely meant to be a whole lot of fun and i cannot wait to play it 
Um, I didn't get to play it, but I had to sit down with uh, one of the main devs on Chivalry 2 um, for like an interview. and he, Like that game, they released a little teaser for it. It sounds interesting. Um, I think the game, I can't remember, that was between Chivalry and whatever they're doing now didn't go so well. It was a, an attempted melee combat game with magic, and it, I think it bombed. But it's good to see that they're still around and making Chivalry 2. I asked the you know burning question about how do you feel about Maud Howe? And he was like, well, it's room for more than one, uh, <laughs> more than one melee combat game in the world. And it sounds like they're really kind of leaning more into the, both into the farcical side of things where I think you can pick up a chicken and beat people to death with a chicken, which sounds hilarious. So the meme potential is already off the chain. Uh, they're also going to 64 players instead of a 24, I believe, which was in the original Chivalry. They're putting in horses, which are already in Mordow. Um, and they're doing an overhaul of the combat system to make it feel, in his words, to make it feel more like uh, the kind of cinematic combat you're used to. So what you've seen in movies in terms of sword fights, you should be able to do in that. And I believe uh, also 1v many fights should be more achievable so you feel more like a badass. I just hope, and I, I asked about this and it seemed to be a somewhat satisfying answer about like, the thing that ruined chivalry was, for me at least, was the glitches that they did not ever patch out. So people were, you know, hitting you uh, in their overhead swing by exploiting animations, and they were doing these things called rainbow strikes, where they would swing it and they'd spin their camera around, and it would just allow them to do three hundred and sixty degree damage. May that be fucking gone. Otherwise, yeah. Because when you go and read the Mordhau Steam reviews, you see people going, "This is basically Chivalry 2, Or if you love chivalry but you hated the glitches go play Mordhau and I'm like so they Mordhau has been an f- amazing success it's a lot of fun it's a game that I want to go play a lot more of um, but like the guy said I think there's room for Chivalry 2 and, and if Mordhau and Chivalry 2 are competing against each other down the track and both you know kind of doing their own thing in certain ways but also like going back and forth the competition is good right and I guess Chivalry 2 has the advantage of being able to see what Mordhau is doing and to iterate on that uh, but also Mordhau has the advantage of being there now already and impressing and, and building on that so yeah I'd like to see um, them both be awesome uh, I got to play some xbox stuff well microsoft i should say the first thing i ran to play was age of empires 2 definitive edition holy shit that's all you need to know i'll say a bit more uh it's fucking awesome like it is exactly what you want now i think i've mentioned this in the past on a podcast or definitely have had in uh, a chat with uh Joby, but when i played age of empires definitive edition not two the original one definitive editionized I got really disappointed really quick because a lot of what I remembered as being quintessential Age of Empires was in Age of Empires 2. Now, I mentioned that to the devs, um, both in the hands-on session and uh, in the BCD that I went to later because I fucking love Age of Empires 2. I just wanted to hear more about it. And they're both like, everyone says that. Everyone remembers features from Age of Empires 2 and assumes they were in there from the beginning. So that jump from Age of Empires to Age of Empires 2 was amazing. Um, now I'm going to jump between my hands on the BCD like it looks gorgeous they've added zoom um, but they have apparently untouched the gameplay that was the biggest request and I don't know if that's a good thing like it's interesting because uh, I love the gameplay and certainly but I never played competitively I only played you know with my buddies against AI or um, the campaign but I remember having chats with people and talking about the idea that 
Um, they weren't very balanced, the factions. There were certain dominating ones. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see if if that's a thing and, and how that impacts the competitive scene, which is still around for Age of Empires 2 original version, Age of Empires 2 HD. Um, but they're definitely doing the right thing by the fans. And they were talking about, well, if you want the gameplay on Trage, how do we make it definitive edition? And so they've added all these little quality of life things. <clears throat> My favorite being that there's now an auto reseed option for farms. I just paused for a pause then. I hope you were clapping. For anyone who played any of the Age of Empires games, you'd know what a fucking pain in the ass it was to um, remember to go back and check on your uh, on your farms. So if you're a fan of Age of Empires 2 or you missed it, uh, Definitive Edition is a no-brainer. It's definitely one to play. I cannot fucking wait for it to drop. I'm going to sink a lot of hours into that. And um, I've even been playing Age of Empires Definitive Edition just to scratch that itch. It's Definitely a strategy series I'm hoping is um, brought back to, you know, one of the big contenders when Relic uh, makes Age of Empires 4. But Age of Empires 2 is dropping later this year, I'm pretty sure, and it's going to kick all kinds of ass. I asked whether uh, Age of Mythology is going to happen. They said they're going to do Age of Empires 3 first and then have a look at the other stuff. So please, if you loved Age of Mythology, like you fucking should, uh, let them know that you want it next or you want it coming you want them to definitive editionify it totally worth it because it's going to be awesome play battletoads uh three player couch co-op it's pretty cool uh the brawling stuff you know the fisticuffs final fight style shit is was really really easy especially with three people but then they had the racing sections which are just as punishing as you remember but my biggest problem with the racing section was that uh, two of the toads have very similar silhouettes, and even though they're different colours, I would often glance down at the wrong one because it's a um, a race scenario where your uh, characters are at the bottom of the screen, the track's coming at you from the top, and you're more concerned with what's happening ahead of you than watching which character you are and where they are. So there were definitely a few deaths that I felt were the fault of the game, especially because when you're racing together in co-op, you're bunched up together and it's easy to lose track of them. So I hope they do something to fix that, but it's good to see that they're still maintaining the punishing difficulty and I'm a sucker for a couch co-op game. So I'm definitely keen to play more of that when it comes out. Play the Forza Horizon 4 Lego DLC. It's already out now. If you're a Forza fan, play it. If you're a Lego fan, play it. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Uh, I love how they go goofy with their uh, DLC for the Horizon series. They did... uh, Hot Wheels for Forza Horizon 3 and it was was a lot of fun so it's good to see that Lego DLC is there Uh, I played Bleeding Edge which is some new like I don't know Overwatch style hero shooter thing I played a round of it Um, I didn't switch characters out I just played with this one tank character and it was a pretty close match and you know you're fighting over control points and they lock at certain times and they open up and they might not all open up at once they might only open up one to force you to, to duke it out You've really got to work as a team to take down um, even individual characters and you've got to know when to engage and when to get away. You can convert into like a faster kind of form, which for my character was to convert into a bike, like a motorbike. Um, other people had like, I don't know, hoverboards and <clears throat> things like that. Um, so you've got to know when to disengage, but I was a tank and I was trying to engage and my teammates were running away. Uh, it's probably why we lost. Anyways, uh, I didn't really love it, but it was okay, you know, keen to 
Kid to play more before I pass any massive judgment on it, but uh, I'm not really into that style of shooter, though I did appreciate that it didn't feel like the kind of game that is always going to end in a trouncing. So uh, that's definitely a step in the right direction. I had hands-on with Gears of 5. Gears of 5? <laughs> Gears 5. No longer Gears of War. Um, it has a new escape mode, which is pretty interesting. And the setup is that you your character gets swallowed by one of those snatchers or whatever they're called, and you wake up in the, <clears throat> the heart of a... Um, what is it? Uh, whatever the creatures are. Oh my God, I'm blanking on everything today. Anyways, you wake up in one of their hives. And you've got very limited ammunition, and there's a gas bomb that you've planted that is slowly creeping up on you, kind of like a circle in a Battle Royale game. So you've got to get out of there, but you've got to... You know, there are periods where you can sneak past enemies, um, and there are certain enemies that are, will stay unalert if you sneak past them, but that chews into time. Um, you've really got to manage your <clears throat> ammunition amongst people, and there's special abilities, one of which is to drop ammo, so you definitely want to be using that whenever it comes up. Uh, but yeah, there's often firefights where you just run out of ammo, so you just kind of had to run in and, and punch them. Well, I think it's a really cool mode. We played on the hardest difficulty, and we had a crash the first time. We got annihilated the second time, so definitely keen to play that with um, <clears throat> a confident team of shooters uh, once once it drops. But like, I'm a Gears fan, and I mean, I liked what they did with the last Gears. Uh, and where it ended particularly so i'm keen to see what they do with this one um hopefully they continue to escalate it in all the right directions because it's looking good and then before they kicked me out i very briefly played halo reach on pc i was unable to invert the mouse heathens which meant i got spanked but it feels really good it's punishing i was worried it was going to be easy i mean it's not that easy to pull off headshots when your mouse is doing the opposite of what you want it to do uh but yeah you better believe i'll be taking that for a spin along with certain other Master Chief collection items when it drops on PC later this year, <coughs> allegedly. Also had a quick stab at xCloud, which is Microsoft's uh, streaming, you know, game streaming to your mobile devices thing. I <laughs> should have known that the reason why people weren't playing on this particular station was because it was problematic. I don't think there was a flaw with it. I think that uh, cause I was playing Resident Evil 7, which is super dark and it was really did not translate well to being able to see what the fuck was going on um but what i did notice was that there is a noticeable delay input or input delay i should say when you're trying to control what's going on i was playing on a you know an xbox controller with the the mobile phone on a little attachment sitting on top um <clears throat> so it definitely means that this technology is not one for um for anything twitchy or anything like that, and it has room for improvement, especially because what uh, the Stadia coming out and Bethesda also mentioned, what was their thing? Orion. But that's an engine-level uh, middleware, if you'll allow me to make a Silicon Valley reference, which uh, should help to improve things in terms of a point. Well, that's what they're claiming. They're claiming it's got lower input um, and it uses less bandwidth. So hopefully those sorts of technologies used in Unison lead to something that is definitely playable. I know in the past I once set up um, my PS4 to be able to stream to my uh, Vita, which was the last time I used my Vita, and then I went on a bus and uh, played over a tethered 4G connection. I tried to play Horizon Zero Dawn. It worked for a little bit, and then it just dropped the fuck out. So I love the idea of being able to do that. I mean, Australia's data caps will have to rise to meet it. Um, but I think that's going to be interesting next generation because obviously this next generation console is coming 
And there seems to be every generation that the experts are predicting that it'll be the last, but this may well be the last, especially if um, companies, bigger companies, start investing in their streaming stuff more because they clearly see it as the future. I mean, Microsoft's doing it, Bethesda's doing it, Google's doing it, EA's doing it. <clears throat> so they they want to be able to stream games to an install base of something like 2 billion compatible devices. At least that's how many devices were estimated to be compatible for Minecraft Earth. Um, that's, uh, that's a big deal, and you can understand why uh, it would be attractive. Obviously, they've got to fix the input stuff, and they've... They've got to worry about the data, data requirements, especially the high resolutions that you get. But look, I'm interested. I, I, you know, if I can not have to buy, you know, 10 years from now, buy a console and just stream it from some high-end PC. And for me, that will push PC gaming back to the forefront, which tends to happen at the end of every console generation, which is happening right now because PC becomes the gold standard of what games will look like in the next generation. So I think in the next year, we're going to see PC as lead. Uh, I always love this point of a console generation. So, yeah, if they get it right, definitely keen on it. I love the idea of it, but, you know, obviously internet speeds in Australia and, and data limits, treating fucking data like it's mined out of some rare resource um, is not good. But hopefully, hopefully they get it right. Um, anyways, we'll know more once they get close to release and they do their public betas. I played uh, Ghost Recon Breakpoint for about 20 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. I like that it's a little bit, it feels a little bit more hardcore. Uh, enemies feel a little less spongy. No, am I getting my games confused? Maybe. No, maybe. Anyways, it, it definitely seems like one that I'll be keen to play co-op. I'd have no interest in playing it solo with the AI. They were not great in um, Wildlands. Uh, definitely a game that you try to play as much as possible cooperatively with your buddies and get up to various shenanigans, go try to go stealth and then end up going full loud. Uh, lots of fun. So I think the little additions to the formula will be great too. We did an assault on a compound that I think you got to see in the the first trailer they released. Um, new new things like being able to cut through the fence and then jumping through that way. And uh, it seemed to go down a whole lot easier. Teammates were getting shot up and you had to go revive them. Uh, the enemies were like pretty good at flanking. They were coming from everywhere. So you want to watch your corners. Uh, looking forward to playing more of that, but I'm a sucker for my open-world co-op games. Uh, I played Watch Dogs Legion. I uh, got to play as the, the old lady. <laughs> I can't remember her name. Helen, I think. And it's fantastic because she's still able to do everything everyone else is able to do. She's just a lot slower. So she can still parkour, but it takes her longer to get up. Now, it's endearing and it's hilarious. I don't see myself using her too much. I mean, she's pure meme status at this stage because it's kind of piss you off if you get spotted climbing over a wall because it took you an extra five seconds to do it because you're old. Uh, but I guess that introduces its own challenge. I think Watch Dogs Legion has the best, uh, has the potential to be the best version of the Watch Dogs formula. And that, you know, the idea that you can kind of recruit anyone and obviously they've got archetypes and there will be a set amount of characters and whatnot. But like, I just. I feel like this is the one where they're going to nail it. Instead of like Watch Dogs 1 was deeply flawed but had potential, 2 kind of delivered more on the potential and then uh, Legion <clears throat> looks like it's like, okay, they've really got it. They've got what this should be. So keen to play more, especially if the co-op is great because I had a lot of fun uh, with the second one. Luke and I trolled some people with invasions. <laughs> they kept coming back to try to kill us and we kept smashing them. I love that shit. Uh, so definitely keen, especially if it has that 
I had a quick look at uh, Logitech G903, uh, which I mentioned earlier. It's already been out. It was sort of, again, Logitech just wanted to touch base. They, they had a presence there. They wanted to not so much talk about what's coming up, but just go, hey, do you know about this and that? And um, I'm keen to upgrade to a G903, but I really can't justify it. At this stage, despite better, better battery life and things like that, like my G900 is, I've had it for years, it's served me well. It's, it honestly feels like a wired mouse when it's in wireless, which means you're not getting your fucking cable snagged. And for anyone who's played games with me, would know the, often I call out, Pat, fucking Pat, my loving cat that will, you know, ruin everything, jump, flop on keyboards, on mice, uh, and he used to pull on mice cables in the past, so that one I don't have to worry about anymore, so I don't miss shots because of bloody Pat. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was up next, hands off, it was an hour-long presentation, uh, looks amazing, like you could, you know that they, they're onto something great, when they have the confidence to do a really slow burn uh, lead in, a, you know, deeper dive on the world and what's going on, you can just see the richness and every fucking billboard and the history and the different languages and the way that like the the UI is part of the technology. So therefore, it's like of the game. Therefore, it's part of the narrative. Uh, and you've got bloody John Wick, Keanu Reeves popping up. Uh, we got to see a particular incursion played out a couple of different ways with a couple of differently specced characters and you know you can hack into weights to to kill people or hack into a boxing bot to pummel <laughs> pummel some dude's head off um while you're trying to stealth your way in but still trying to get that body count up make it look like an accident hitman styles and then you know what strength allows you to do in terms of incursions options versus the hacking and stuff it just looks like one of those games that's like, just play your way. Like, they know they're onto something good. Um, it's a very much a case of shut up and take my money. Uh, cannot wait to play it. But very, very keen to even see more. And I hope that they've released the demo like they did with the last year's one, that, but it was after Gamescom. So I dare say they'll do the same thing again where they'll show the demo again at Gamescom for any of the like, press and influencers and salespeople that missed it. And then they will release it to the public. And you should just, you know, get some popcorn and enjoy the shit out of that 50 minute presentation it's great uh, i played pez pez 2020 uh, i liked it more than fifa 20 but that's probably because i was playing against ai um it felt good like it had some some goofy bugs that were happening but like the i felt like i was well, like was in control and the game was like setting up plays and doing things that i wanted it to do and i've never really bought too much into the fifa versus pez debate because i'm not an expert on either but um, yeah, good times. I I want to play more. Um, probably cooperatively because I suck competitively. I then had a, a look at um, Kamano's two HD. It was supposed to be hands on, but I think the code wasn't working properly. So it was just to sit down and chat with one of the one of the devs, and um, he had a excuse me a closer look at the um, like what they've changed and talking through the you know, the updates and things like that. And, like, I've been a massive Commandos fan since day dot. This is real-time tactics, real-time tactics. Oh, my God. Real-time tactics. There we go. Third time's a charm. Genre. And it's it's great. Like, it's I've loved it since I played the first Commandos. They're not doing the original Commandos yet because Commandos 2, rightly, was the peak of the series. It, it took a lot of what was great about the original Commandos and it iterated on it and it added all this extra stuff that 
but it was like the sequel where you're like holy shit this is this is amazing um i was looking forward to it for years in high school i got it and i made it up to the last mission i didn't finish it i didn't finish the last mission because it was too hard i just one of those things where i just stopped playing like an idiot um i've since bought it on like probably on gog and steam just because why not why wouldn't you um and i've reinstalled it but it's in ugly letterbox mode and i'm a bit too much of a snob to play it so definitely keen for it to come out um on well, there's an updated HD version and widescreen and things like that. What I find interesting is that it's going to consoles as well as mobile. And then, you know, when I usually hear mobile, I usually balk. But I'm like, you know what? I think this genre of game would work really well, uh, particularly on a tablet. So I'm very keen to see how it plays. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just loving, on a personal note, the resurgence of the the real-time tactics genre. I mean, we've got Desperados 3 coming out, which I also got to play. I might as well cover that one now. Uh, I played that for about 20, 30 minutes on the show floor. It was a tutorial level um, and then the first stage. And you know what? It's super satisfying. They've, they've nailed it. Uh, Mimi Me, I think, is the name of the developer. Also, the the same devs that made uh, Shadow Tactics, which was the resurgence of the real-time tactics games, very much influenced by Commandos. Um, it's great to see that their talent has been noticed and they're making Desperados 3. I'm actually slowly playing through Shadow Tactics at the moment, doing a level at a time, and when I finish a level, I go onto YouTube and watch someone do a speedrun on the highest difficulty and just marvel at the freakish ways that they do things and how much better they are at it than I am. Um, it's so good to see this uh, genre come back, and I was always sad that it kind of disappeared after Desperados 2, really, and there was a gap between that and and then Shadow Tactics. So, uh, and I think like putting it on as many platforms as possible, and and platforms that make sense, um, because the input, like why it will work on a tablet, is it doesn't require a, like a APM. It's not big on actions per minute, and um, you can like it's more about methodical planning and execution with a couple of quick clicks rather than a, you know, needing to line up shitloads of units that, that you do in RTS. Um, so it's good. It's good to see, and, and I think if they get it right on tablet, that it'll be a whole new market, and, and it'll just help to reinforce the that this genre, this dormant genre, is one that should be coming back. It should be active, in it, and, and hopefully it's going to be amazing. I also got to play Praetorians HD, which was made by the same studio as Commander's Pyro, I want to say. Um, and you know what? It's still as fucking hard as it used to be. Uh, I never finished it because it kicked my ass. I will give it another crack because I like that sort of... I mean, this is more closer to RTS and real-time tactics, but it's still got that, that punishing aspect where you feel that every unit matters and you can't just blob, you know, t tank rush or whatever that you used to do in Command and Conquers. Um, you've really got to <clears throat> worry about your formations and where your troops can and can't go and the scissor-paper-rock of who beats who and the importance of scouting because you'll just start getting... Raining arrows will come out of the fog of war and just decimate your troops... Uh, definitely keen to revisit and see if I've gotten any better at it. I played a bit of Yu-Gi-Oh. Not really going to talk about that too much, other than to say, like it's you know, it's a card game, and one of those digital card games. It's an actual card game as well. Obviously, very popular in Japan, um, and now coming in some massive package, digital package for a um, you know a Western audience. I think it's got like I don't know how many games in there. Like it seemed like a lot, five or six. Silly, silly amount. I played through. Basically, a tutorial stage and opening level, uh, which I was being coached through, and I'm like, "Yep, if you're into card games, uh, this one sounds like it's it's interesting. It's got a bit more depth, like uh, or complexity, perhaps is the better word than than uh, other 
card games that are on the market at the moment. I can see in um, a behind closed doors presentation of Avengers being played live. I thought it was just going to be, you know, a video. They do that sometimes, but no, this was apparently being played. And, uh, you know, it, did, it looked a lot better than what they showed off at the Square Enix conference. I felt that that was quite clipped and didn't really kind of um, <clears throat> translate, faithfully translate the intention of what you would expect from the developers who are working on it, who are the, like Tomb Raider devs. Uh, but, you know what? It looks good. Like, it looks like a lot of fun. Obviously, it felt a bit funnily in parts because they're going for that cinematic thing, so very kind of scripted, but the pledge is that it will, you know, open up a bit more. It's only launching with um, the handful of Avengers that you got to see, but they're going to release new areas and Avengers for free, and they're going to make their money out of cosmetics. Super smart way to do it. People are going to want to buy their favorite, you know, skins, and as long as they're reasonably priced, I think it's a really viable way uh, to support a, any product, let alone <coughs> something of this magnitude, which I feel is going to be popular with people of all ages. And, you know, you can play it solo or you can play it co-op, uh, or certain bits in co-op. So I am excited. I'm a sucker for co-op to play more. We got to play something really new, John Wick Hex. And for anyone who saw the trailer for John Wick Hex, uh, you weren't alone in thinking that it looks like this just super turn-based game. And while it kind of is i guess it's closer to super hot in that when you move time moves uh so what you're dealing with is a time economy that is at the top of the screen at all times and if you try to walk across a room uh your walk across the room will be interrupted at any point at which an enemy appears or, or has you in the line of sight and then you'll see like a time scale of their actions so whether john has seen them first you play as john wick or they have seen you, it will show you what they're about to do, what they're about to shoot, you know, whether they're about to melee strike you, if they're a bruiser or something like that. So you really like, the way that you move around levels is like moving from cover to cover is important, but you also have the opportunity to roll with the punches. Like you can do a takedown on someone and then pick where you end up after the takedown. So you end up behind them. So the dude, you know, which might be in cover. So the dude's coming in with a gun, takes a shot and misses, or you can do a roll away, or you can duck when someone's shooting at you, looking at you through a window, which to be fair, like the, the, the height differences and the window stuff, I didn't feel was visually translated super well, at least not for me on first glance. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Like, uh, you can't, if you reload your magazine after two shots, uh, you lose that magazine. Then you're relying on, you've only got a couple of magazines to finish an entire section which is probably like what four or five different levels before you get to a boss fight uh but you can pick up the guns of the dead enemies or the ones you've disarmed or you can throw your gun or their gun at them to distract them as a percentage you know likelihood based on how close you are john even at 80 percent is seems to be 100 percent accurate which i'm not complaining with um there's a procedural element to it based on on certain stages apparently like if you there was one restaurant that i entered that the guy who was talking me through it said that some dude had two dudes with guns straight away. Someone else had nobody in there. So it's like breeds this idea of replayability. And what was really cool, although not available in the demo, was that oh, what I played was that uh, when you get to the end, it apparently will show you like a cinematic version of what you just played in real time. So all of the stuff that you were kind of stop start doing uh, will be shown as if it's like this stylized John Wick movie that you were in control of, which I think is a nice touch. Um, and I found that the more I got into it, the more I understood it, the less it I was treating it like a turn-based thing and the more that I would just very quickly move between the things. So it felt 
like way more fluid and I think that's the intention of when you learn it and you become more confident um, that it will become that. I mean, you, you take damage and you can heal yourself. Uh, you've got to refocus up, but that takes time. Reloading takes time. Like everything takes time. So it's it's kind of it's tense. I really enjoyed it. And I didn't think that I would so much based on the trailer because I thought it was turn-based. I'm like, eh, John Wick is turn-based. But then when you play it, you start to realize that, well, they couldn't really do it as a third-person action game because how do you translate that idea of uh, the multi-kills and you know the fluid movement between a takedown and stuff so i think this is a really good way to do it and i'm keen to play more i had a look at dying light 2 oh man i'm so glad i got to see that i was a big fan of the original dying light i know that not everyone who's on this podcast was but um it definitely was a flawed game the story was shit and it descended into a lot of fetch quests but like most co-op things i had a lot of fun with the co-op but the way that it handled movement it was way better like it felt way more fluid and it was a better parkour game than mirror's edge even though that was only part of it like the ability to sprint and look over your shoulder i thought was a great touch the grappling hook once you got it although it came a bit too late in the game was fantastic so going into dying light 2 and being told that they've got um you know not just more gameplay mechanics and more ways to move through the world but they've got a bigger focus on storytelling and and the way that this demo played out i don't really want to ruin it um but this there were points at which they said if you made particular decisions earlier it would play out differently and right at the end because they'd followed a particular path they unlocked an entirely new gameplay area and they said if you hadn't done that like if you'd chosen to do things differently you would never unlock that now it has co-op but it's that co-op where you're like the guest in someone else's world. And usually I hate that because you're not carrying story progress back over and it feels a little bit like a waste of time. But what I find interesting about this is it's sort of like those games like The Simpsons or whatever, like those town building games where you can invite someone in to have a look at your town and you're like, oh, that's pretty sick. So like imagine that idea except you're actually helping your buddy or buddies uh, destroy the world. I mean the host, not destroy the world, but like, sorry, fight the zombies and, and you playing a co-op action experience uh but you're not taking any story progression back you will take your weapons back i think you may take xp not 100 percent on that don't quote me uh but what's cool like what i like about it is it becomes a gameplay version of that water cooler discussion you know where you say hey i made this decision and this is how it played out and you're like holy shit i did this and this completely different thing happened now if they can deliver on that and i can't remember the name of the writer the lead writer they've got but he's uh he's got a very impressive portfolio it seems like they're on track to do that and, and they've they're taking their time with this sequel which they probably could have just rushed out um you know when dying light was super popular with a couple of revised things but they've added in oh so much more and i was just like glued to the screen for the 40 minute presentation it looks gorgeous cannot wait to play uh, more of that I, I like my zombie games i love my co-op games and i like dying light um, i like good stories and i like the idea of decisions with meaning and consequences and uh permanence so yeah definitely keen to play more of that or play it even uh next up i played four guys devolver digital game it's basically like it's like a kind of like a battle royale in a way it's like 100 players or it's intended to have 100 players we played versus ai which they're not 100 percent on whether you will be able to play with fewer people against ai but i hope that they add it because the idea of being able to play like a little party situation with your buddies with two three four of you and and you can see the names of the the human characters versus the ai that didn't have any names above them so you're naturally going to prioritize them but it's 
like Takeshi's Castle, like a, a round robin of events, I believe, a certain amount that are picked um, that culminates with the race to, to the crown, but people get eliminated um, in every round. So one of the things was to, you were either spawned with a tail or you didn't have a tail and you had to grab a tail off another player and finish the round with a tail. So that was a lot of fun <clears throat> just playing hide and seek or for me, I was just standing there and waiting for them to come and then trying to run away. I lost my tail at one point. I got it back again. Uh, another one was like a race uh, where you had to jump through the doors. There'd be like four doors that you could go through, but one of them might be solid. Two of them might be solid. Fuck, three of them were solid towards the end. <clears throat> so I found that it was better to not be the person in first uh, until right at the end where you kind of, you want to jump through you want to see the person in the corner of your eye jump into the one that's solid and then you want to jump through the one next to it and for it to be perfect. I, I won that round. Uh, I survived the, the round with the tail. And then the final thing was a, a run-up, a big obstacle course with giant balls dropping down on you and getting knocked over. And um, I did not win. It was the winner-takes-all scenario uh, for that last bit, unfortunately for me. After that... Um, I had to run back to the convention center through security again, and I played No Straight Roads, which I thought was like a rhythm game meets action, but it's sort of more like an action platformer that happens to have music in it, and all of the worlds are musically themed, the bosses are musically themed. The combat is musically themed because he plays a guitarist or a drummer, I switch between the characters. It's a really cool idea, um, and one that you know I'm definitely keen to see more of, and the music was really catchy and uh, you got rewarded for perfectly timed things. So I'm hoping that uh, that one's a lot of fun to play. It's sort of like um, Brutal Legend, but you know, less less open and more more about the music and the, and the, and the combat and the gameplay loop. Okay, on the home stretch now. I had a, an hour of hands-on time with Nintendo games, uh, which I spread between the six games on offer, so about 10 minutes per game. Pokemon Sword and Shield, um, not a big Pokemon player. Seems like one of those things that I missed back in the day, but Pokemon Sword and Shield looks to be adding a whole lot more new stuff. Uh, but I didn't get to play a lot of the overworld, or the open world rather, or the new um, mega Pokemon abilities. I just went through a basic like turn the valves to stop the water puzzle and then had a fight in a gym. It was okay. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, I haven't played any of the earlier games, but it was a lot of fun. Like, it was actually, you know, basically like a Ghostbusters game, but uh, the way of, you know, using your flashlight to distract, or sorry, to stun the ghost, and then you've got to grab it by its tail, and you've got to hurl it around, you can bash it into other ghosts to do damage to them, and so it's a little bit, like, tactical, but even though it kind of feels like a like a Ghostbusters game, it's got that Nintendo charm, the Mario charm, so you're finding your secrets and, and things like that. And, you know, it's one that I really want to play. Um, I don't think I'll go back and play the earlier ones, but uh, I'm definitely keen to check out Luigi's Mansion 3. The uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, this was one of my earliest best memories of gaming uh, on my Game Boy. I think it was uh, one of the first games that I 100%ed. Um, a shitload of fun on Game Boy, and it's amazing how much I still remembered in this updated version. It obviously is a lot prettier, but it's uh, definitely one that, even though there's too many games to play these days, that I will be taking for a spin once it launches 
later this year. It's it's not just... I mean, the core gameplay, they've came for the most part. I didn't get to play any of the new gameplay sections. There were some puzzles that uh, stumped me. I clearly didn't remember the solutions for those, but everything else just, just felt right. Um, and for it to look beautiful is one of those awesome instances where you <clears throat> remember a game looking a particular way and it looks better than what you remember, which is, which is great. Uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 The Black Order is a lot of fun. Uh, the first two games I kind of had a love-hate relationship with. I enjoyed the shit out of the first one. I really didn't get into the second one, and I tried to play it recently. That's when Activision was charging, like, what, 90 bucks for the two of them or something. And um, I went back to try to play with a buddy, and I just wasn't getting into it. And I wasn't getting into the first one. I'm like, ah, oh, what's happened? What's What changed uh, with Ultimate Alliance 3, even though it's only on Switch, which I'm sure pissed some people off? I think it's a fantastic platform for it you can do apparently do four player local co-op or online um and when you're playing alone or when you're playing online multiplayer or at least your own system per player multiplayer you have control of the camera which was one of my problems with the earlier games uh it's got that comic book stylized combat feel it's got a massive roster and it's that co-op brawler game i'm fucking keen to play more of uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games Tokyo 2020. Yes, that is the title. Not really for me. Super simplified stuff. You know, press one or two buttons to compete in events. Uh, you know, skateboarding, surfboarding, archery. They were all okay, but, you know, it was like a massive collection of mini games that didn't particularly feel like they had too much depth and might have depth in the final version, but certainly wasn't there in what, <clears throat> what I played. Not really for me. Uh, New Super Lucky's Tale was the last one that I played, and it is, as you would expect, Super Lucky's Tale. What's new about it is uh, a resolution drop. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I mean, that's a Switch, right? So comparing Xbox One X version to the Switch probably isn't very fair, but uh, you had full camera control, which I'm not sure whether that was patched into the original. It's got a uh, new story, new like controls feel tighter, and for anyone who was into that game originally, I think this is a like a better version of it, uh, despite the resolution drop. So if you missed it or you're keen to revisit, this probably is a great version. I hope that they bring the uh, new version to uh, Xbox One X, which they might, or they might after a certain period of waiting. I uh, checked out a behind-the-scenes a presentation of Stronghold Warlords and chatted to a couple of the devs. Uh, game looks cool. I haven't played a Stronghold game since Stronghold Crusader, I want to say. Always liked them. Uh, I don't think I was particularly good at them in that I didn't really get too far into the campaigns, but this one is set in China, I want to say, um, which brings in a whole, not just new aesthetic, but you know, new resource management, uh, new units, and new gameplay mechanics, and uh, it definitely looks like one uh, to return to. If, if you're like me and you haven't really played one since the older versions, I think the more recent ones have been divisive, With uh, if, if you're judging by Steam reviews, but... Uh, for a, a strategy series that I kind of stopped playing, I'm, I'm keen to revisit in this entry. Uh, Darksiders Genesis, I got to play on the showroom floor just before Desperados 3, which I've already talked about, so I won't go back into that. But Darksiders Genesis is that, you know, isometric Diablo view, uh, run around, brawl, get loot. And I'm like, yeah, this is this makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, for a Darksiders game, it's it feels like a like a stopgap, you know, like they're going to make Darksiders four at some stage. But this is the first proper introduction to a playable uh, strife. I want to say the, the the horseman with the pistols. 
I believe you can play as all the other ones. I got to play as War and um, and Strife. And Death wasn't there, and I cannot remember the name of the other one. Unless she is Strife. My bad. Anyways, it was cool. I didn't need to play a whole lot of it to know that it's exactly the kind of thing, like that Darksiders style puzzling and and combat and uh, you know tra- traversal even. Um, yeah, I'm a Darksiders fan. Like I said earlier, I haven't played three yet. So, uh, this one feels like a step in the in the right direction uh, for a new audience. And if you can play four player local co-op, color me very excited. Uh, I saw a secret title that I can't talk about. I won't even tell you what type of title it is. Uh, like Nvidia, I'm on an um, an embargo that is a TBD. I don't know when I can talk about it, and when I can, I'll tell you about it. I won't even tell you who's making it. So hopefully I'll be able to, you know, update you on that uh, later in the year. Uh, and the final game I checked out, <coughs> excuse me, which full disclosure was after E3, but I was supposed to check out at E3. There was another one, Joby. I lied. Um, was carry on, but I wasn't able to make the timing work. So I was glad that I got to take it for a, a spin when I got back. The best way to describe it is you get to play as the thing creature and um, you, you bust through diff- different levels and smack people around, do a little bit of environmental puzzling, and you know what? It was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to playing more Devolver. Seems to release some pretty damn awesome titles. I had a lot of fun with my friend Pedro while I was away. I got to play it on Switch a little bit more on, on PC when I got back, but I really enjoyed it. Like, not a 10 out of 10 experience uh, by any stretch of the imagination, nor do I think it's trying to be, but you know, a lot of fun, and, and the skill shots, and the way that those gameplay mechanics build up throughout what I played over the first few hours, or a couple of hours, I should say, I enjoyed. Um, I'm going to stop it there, because my voice is giving up. I've already done a, a couple of cheeky coughs, sorry. I've also paused to do coughing fits, uh, and my voice is less powerful than it was at the beginning. Um, if you've made it this far, thank you very much. Uh Give a little plug to my other podcast. Here's my movie, movie podcast I do with my partner Katie, where we dissect um, great movies or not so great movies, and we give our interpretation of um, what what we would do if we were in charge of of making it. Um, we've been a bit lax because of me being away and being sick, uh, but we're back into it now. We should be pumping out weekly episodes. So go to here's my movie.com or just Google us. Here's my movie podcast. Uh, to find out a whole lot more, follow us on Facebook if you want, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, and apart from that, thank you very much. I hope that this was uh, beneficial for you. And if you want to know any questions, or sorry, if you have any questions, uh, you want to know more about any of the games I've mentioned or anything else about E3, apart from how sore my feet were at the end of every bloody day. Very painful. It was very easy to get in my 10,000 steps. Uh, ping me on Discord, uh, in, in the questions thing on the Gap Discord, and I will... Uh, answer whatever your questions are. Bye bye. And just when you thought I was done, there's one I forgot. Vampire, The Masquerade, Bloodlines 2. I think that's where it is. I think it's where the 2 goes. Maybe it's Vampire, The Masquerade 2, Bloodlines. Anyways, I probably should have looked that up before I started ranting again. Um, <clears throat> game is kick ass. I got to behind closed doors session right at the end of one of the days, which is why it wasn't in my initial list. I didn't have it on a list because I was able to sub in super late to uh, the last session. Uh, they played it live while one of the game devs talked us through what was going on. 
and the game looks sick. There is um, <clears throat> a lot of awesome action RPG games coming up, or I guess RPGs if you don't have to play them super uh, action-like, but this one you definitely have the option of going loud with weapons and whatnot, or vampire abilities, scaling up walls. Um, it looks like a lot of fun, and, and the idea of the masquerade being that you're trying to stay as hidden as possible, so at night do whatever you want, uh, you know, in terms of your vampire powers, but you really don't want the squishy human blood bags to see you um, flexing your vampire skills, I guess, unless you're going to eat them. And within munching on um, particular humans, there's this interesting, like, color-coded system where you go into, like, vampire view and you can see their arteries and whatnot, and there's, uh, I think that they said flavors, there's different flavors that unlock different abilities and then you can pick different core abilities um and feed into different powers uh it looks really cool i I'd honestly never played the first one or no i did but it was one of those buggy messes that i quickly abandoned story of my life apparently on this podcast and and uh with everything else but uh yeah really looking forward to that i think the the biggest challenge is going to be finding the time to do all these games justice i really hope that um they're adequately spread out so that there's, you know, at least a few weeks between the bigger ones so that you can get some hours sunk into and try and finish the best that you can in these games that tend to go on for a while. But um, if you're looking forward to this game, you absolutely should be. And that's it. That's honestly it. That's every game. Uh, by my count, it was like 57 different games, hardware appointments and things like that. So not too bad. Um, if there's anything I missed, I probably will add it on the back of this, but I'm pretty sure that's everything. Uh, same again if you want to know more about this game or any of the others just hit me up alright bye